All right, everybody. Welcome back to Dr. Be Well. Today's episode is uh, su- super important to me. Uh, you know, I have a, a gentleman who, uh, you know, who I've known, uh, you know, nearly my entire life. Uh, I, this gentleman, we haven't been, you know, actively connecting, uh, you know, too, too much over the, the, you know, the past 10 years or so, but spent most of my life growing up with this gentleman. He is now a, uh, a, a professional MMA fighter with a record of 12 and 5. That's eight, eight by knockout, two by submission. He has fought in the UFC. He's fought in the, in the highest levels. This dude, he's a badass. He's also peaceful. He's a true, true, true person who cares about this craft, cares about what he's doing. And he's one of the fucking coolest guys that I know. Thank you for coming on today. Shameless Don Shanus. I'm so happy to be here with you right now. It's kind of crazy. You know, I never thought you'd be running a podcast and you're a goddamn doctor now, which is even more wild and a father. And to have me on this is, is pretty dope. So, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's kind of, yeah, of course, bro. And it's like, isn't it kind of crazy how this, how like the world life happens? You know, it's like I, I set out on my path to, you know, become a pharmacist. Whereas that's where I got the doctor title and that I, and I use that liberally, um, you know, to, to give myself validity and let people know, I, I do know what I'm talking about. I've studied this stuff. Um, but I've evolved a lot since then because that was kind of a path that was, uh, you know, was chosen for me. You know, it was, this was my, my brother did this and I needed to make money. It was the recession. It was, this was the choice to make. I had no idea who, you know, who Ivo was, who's in everyone. My name is Steve and, and, but my last name is Ivanovsky, as you all know. And uh, a lot of my friends, they call me Ivo. And that's a that's a, a name that I uh, identify with. For a while, I stopped identifying with it. It's really? fun, it is funny. It's like when I became a professional, right? Like I had friends who didn't even know my fucking first name was Steve. <laughs> and like that's that's for real. Like kids that we grew up with, they didn't even know. You know, I who's Steve? It's like what? I, I'm Steve. So when I became a professional, and like you know, I, I couldn't have or I didn't think that I could have like my colleagues call me Ivo. So I was like, oh, I'm Steven. You know, I'm Steven. So a lot of people started calling me Steven. But then I came to another point in my life. It's like, I am Ivo. I, that's my identity. That's how it's always been my identity. So now it's, I, you know, I, I, I throw it in there all the time still. And I, and I love when people call me Ivo. And I love when I, 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 hear, I love when I hear it. Yeah, I know you're as Ivo. But isn't identity just what you want to, like, it doesn't matter. None of it matters. Like, for me, so much of my identity, I'm creating constantly, you know. And I'm constantly evolving at the same time. So, it really doesn't matter what anyone thinks of you as long as you try to be yourself at all times, really. Yeah, yeah bro, that, that's what it's all about is be who you are. You know, mm-hmm. the be who you are campaign. And you and I talked about that quite a bit. And so that's like the, you know, I kind of want to get right into it. You know, you're a, you're a professional fighter who has fought in the UFC, who has, um, you know, has, has, done, has done great. Um, you know, 12, uh, 17 professional fights. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, man. Damn, bro. You look great, you know. Uh, today, when we were putting on the headphones, Don Don said, "Oh, putting on the headgear," and I think I'm going to steal that. I think that's a giddy up, man. It's yours, you can have it. Oh, I love it. That's what I. That's how I say it too. And everyone's like, "Oh, I'm going to steal that." When, that, when I'm talking about the giddy up or any of the shit that I say, and I'm like, "No, bro, it's yours. It's it. It's in the ether, baby. Giddy up." Um, so I want to know, you know, you were uh, we were on this path and this, you know, figuring out who your identity was, and you know, from from what I've read about you and from from our conversations and and just like you know, knowing your upbringing and, and being there for for some of it, and you know, being in your backyard and having some boxing matches and stuff like that, you know, seeing all that, and I can't wait to talk about some of those stories. But you know, your idea, you didn't know, 
you know, you didn't know that it was okay for you to become a fighter, right? Like you didn't really, or you, you, that wasn't your like path. The opposite. No. Um, I like, like you were talking about earlier about how like you needed to make money and you needed to do something and like, not like almost like do kind of what you were pushed towards doing. And, and uh, education was what I was pushed towards doing. Cause my mom, she wants me to be the president of the world. And, and you know what? I wanted to be a power ranger and, uh, our, our goals didn't align there. And uh, it, it's kind of funny because at a young age, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I always wanted to play professional football. Obviously, that that never took off. But uh, I loved football so much. I played in college. And it, it's always been one of those things where I've just been active, active, active. And then I kind of like lost my path a little bit in college. And, um, I, and mainly because I was being pushed to do something I didn't want to do and that didn't make me happy and didn't fulfill my life. And, and it, and that was mainly from my family, just from loving me, like, Hey, we love you. We, we want you to succeed. Well, everyone's kind of got their own definition of what success is. And, uh, I'm still creating mine, which is super dope. I'm, I am taking the, the road less traveled, but I'm also creating my own path and, and leaving footprints for people to follow behind me. Because when I was a kid, this didn't exist. You know, I remember being 18, 19, wrestling in my basement with uh, a couple of my best friends watching the TV and fights were just starting to go on. The UFC was just becoming a thing. And I remember getting into an argument with uh, my one of my best friends. I, I remember this specifically, like, and, and this comes full circle in a minute, but, like, I was in the basement wa- um, watching the fights. I think it was Uriah Faber fighting, and I was talking to one of my best friends, James Hurley, me and Chris Rosa were just wrestling, and, um, like, on a cement floor covered in rug, right? Like we're just like being 18 year old idiots. And, uh, James and I are arguing cause he's 205, 210 pounds at the time, lifts weights, really good athlete. He's like, ah, oh, I could fuck up your eye favor. And I'm like, no, he couldn't dude. But I remember thinking, I'm like, cause you, you wrestled and James didn't wrestle. He wrestled his senior year. Okay, so he ended up wrestling. Okay, he wrestled one year. Okay, right, or you, one or two years. You were doing it. You were like yeah. the forefront of the program, like when wrestling kind of started at, uh, you know, at Olive Rames where yep. we went to high school. I remember that, like you and Brian Cohen were, yep. you know, two guys who were there right away, right in the beginning. So, uh, in in junior high, it it was a JV program. So, like when I became a freshman, it was still a JV program. My sophomore year was a JV program. And then my junior year, uh, we became a varsity program. So I'm actually the first kid ever in school history to go to states. Oh, cool. which is which is super weird because I, I wasn't like anything special. I was just way tougher than a lot of kids, and uh, like I beat a lot of guys that were better wrestlers than me just from like outgrading them and being tougher and and stronger and like mentally tougher. I was wrestling the complete wrong weight class. I had potential to be a state champ if I was like three weight classes later, but with the way that worked out, um, playing football. I was about to say, bro. Yeah. Yeah. With, uh, playing football, you know exactly how it is. Get big, strong, bigger, faster, stronger, bigger, faster, stronger. And that was kind of like forced down my throat with that mentality. So I wanted to be 200 plus pounds. I wanted to run a four, five, 40. I wanted to be six, five, you know, and none of those things happened, which is pretty funny. Right. But, uh, in doing so, I got really fat, really strong, but really fat. And then I'll go from like 200 pounds to wrestling at 171, which is a complete wrong weight class for me. You should see the guys that fight in the UFC at the highest level at, at 170 pounds. They're walking at 210. Yeah, right. Like, everyone has their walk-around weight, they have their in-shape weight, and they have their competition weight. So there's three different weights, and their walk-around weight for the 170-pound weight class is 200, 210 pounds, which is crazy because 
their middle line or their their defensive backs in the NFL, like that frame. Yeah, you know, and, and in high school, I was wrestling at that weight. You know, if I now what what weight do you fight at? Oh, right now I compete at one forty five featherweight. Yeah, I'm a featherweight in the UFC, which is crazy. You said that that's a good way to kind of say it to the to the listeners is like, so guys, this was a seventeen year old you know, Don, who was in, you know, in high school and he weighed 100, he was fighting at 171 pounds. Now he's a full grown adult male and he's fighting at 145 pounds. So yeah, dude, you're in the wrong weight class. A complete wrong weight class. You know, granted, they're always trying to throw weight on us. You know, that's, that, uh, you know, and I'm just kind of getting, I'm at 32, I'm finally getting out of that, you know, like, oh, I need to be big. I need to have Mm -hmm. this, you know, because even people see me and they're like, holy shit, you're not supposed to look like that. You know, you're supposed to have more weight on. Even when you saw me today, you're like, holy shit, dude, you look skinny and not in a bad way. But it's like that's that's the response I get from everybody. You healthy, you look healthy. You look like you can move. You like your body's working. You you, you look like you feel good. Yeah, maybe maybe they should they should have kept me a quarterback. They not, <laughs> not throwing all that weight on me. Scout D quarter or scout old quarterback. That's it, baby. <laughs> well, I, I played it my freshman year, you know, because uh, you know, uh, Coach Jenkins just we had like sixteen kids on the team. And did you have Lasorda too? Yeah, Lasorda. Yeah, Lasorda. Yeah, Lasorda awesome. was the D coordinator, and Jenkins was the head coach, and and uh, and. You know, he didn't, you know, maybe he knew some something about football. I don't actually know. Um, but it was like, you know, me, Paul Tala, Ricky McColl, uh, you know, Brian Cohen was on it. You know, yeah. some guys that really just. The, Did he play football? I didn't know he played football. Oh, Brian Cohen was a good football player. Yeah, he was a defensive back. You know, I, I think maybe by by 10th grade, because he was a cross-country runner, and that's yeah. what he ended up getting really good at, mm-hmm. he didn't end up continuing playing football, but he was a good football player. He played all through Pop Warner, was a, you know, was a, was a starter at least one way, you know. Used to play in the defensive backfield. I think was a pretty good player. Um, but uh, you know, they just always wanted to uh, put the weight. You know, so once they coach Jenkins after class sees me and I'm I'm throwing a pass, you know, just like fucking around throwing a pass, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, I've never played quarterback in my whole life. I've never done. It. I've played offensive line, you know, my whole life. Maybe some tight end. I've caught mm-hmm. some ball, sure. But he says, "Oh, you're gonna play quarterback tomorrow." And then for the rest of the season, I I played quarterback and, until I got until I tore my ACL. It is wild. You did your ACL when did you do that? Uh, so I, I I tore my MCL and I completely tore I completely tore my MCL and partially tore my ACL uh, like eight games into my freshman year. Okay. And I didn't actually get surgery. And I kind of I, now I wish that I had because it still affects me to this day. And I know that I'm just delaying an inevitable. I have a, a torn ACL. That's something that's not going to heal on its own. It's torn right now. It's torn right. It is awful. I tore my ACL at 15 and I got it repaired. I got this giant scar. Like, go get it done now. Beyond. It'll this heal. winter, I'm hoping. This this winter, I'm hoping. I didn't even, you don't realize it because, like, you don't, I'm, I'm not competing like you at the highest levels, right? So it's, a, it's like I can get through a lot of things. I can still squat, you know, 185, 225 pounds and, like, and do that. You know, I'm compensating like crazy with my body. And that's kind of what I realized. Like, oh, I'm actually doing, I'm, my body, yoga taught me this. Like, oh, I have all these compensations because of, probably because of this knee injury that I got in ninth grade. Well, it, it, you, you probably trained your body to work around it in, in everything you do where it, it's funny you say that too, because I just came back from the PI. I was in Vegas uh, last month or the month. Yeah, I think last month. I don't even remember. And um, they did like all these tests on me. They did my cardiovascular system. They did my VO2 max. They did my body fat. They did everything. And they found so many imbalances and uh, one of them's from my right leg, and it's like it doesn't extend fully. Um, I don't. To this day, um, a lot of people they uh, if they're righty, they wrestle right leg forward. Well, it kind of worked out perfectly for me. I wrestle left leg forward, but since I'm a righty, it kind of works out perfectly. Like my power hands in the back, like traditional boxing, you want your power hand in the back. So 
uh, for most people that are dominant wrestlers, they wrestle southpaw. You know, if they're they're righty. Me, I wrestled lefty, but it turns out I'm an orthodox fighter because my power hand's in the back. Where most people are compensating and leading with their power hand because of that, kind of works better for me because my power hand's in the back. But uh, I had all these like little things that were just like kind of off, like uh, something stupid. They they'd have me jump on one leg on my left leg, and uh, no problem, land perfect. And and then they had me do it on my right leg, and I didn't trust it. Yeah, I'm 32 years old, and I didn't realize that. I didn't trust my right leg. Yeah, bro. It's, you know? it's, a lot of it is psychosomatic. Like you said, we, we get these injuries, small little injuries, and then our bodies, our nervous systems mm-hmm. protect us because that's all our body wants to do is go forward and survive. And it's we're like this incredible species because of that. But actually taking the time to like realize like, oh, this is how my body wants to move and this is how it should move. And kind of like healing from that is is the that's the way forward. Um, but I want I don't want to get too too off off topic here. So you're 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 crushing it. You're, you're this identity. You're kind of you know figuring out you're you're, you're forced towards education. Um, yeah. push towards education. But then you you know so when did you you know that was kind of your thing, right? You were trying mm-hmm. to get in, getting your degree. You played college football. Um, but then you you did start to fight in college, right? Like because you had the wrestling background in high school, mm-hmm. and that was you know really cool. Like you said, you were wrestling at the wrong weight. You know you were you were a state champion, or you just went to no the state no champions? no no. I I went to the state tournament and. I didn't do any good. Well, like, you probably got like a seventh or eighth place, you know, so it's a giddy out. It's still good, man. It was good at the time. Good at know? the time. Good at the time because the program, I was the first kid ever. Like, our program didn't have any. Yeah, it didn't like, exist. Yeah, it just got created. Like, we had a JV program, but the first year of varsity. I remember going in eighth grade in the the old annex, you know, where they used yeah. to have the pegs in uh, 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 Kerr. Uh, yep. Mr. Kerr was it yeah. was it was the first person who kind of was like bringing this along. It was Mr. Kerr and-, and Mello. Pamela, exactly. Yeah, dude. Yes, yes, yes. And so they had us in the annex and we were like, you know, we were rolling a little bit and doing this stuff. And I, I remember thinking like, you know, this is really cool. And I, I, and I wish it was more advanced. I wish that we were, you know, I, and I, and I was a basketball player. So it's like, that was where my winter was going to go anyways. But I always thought like wrestling was going to make, and that's why I played other sports was to make myself a better football player. Right. Yep. Like that's what it was all about. Um, but I, I like wrestling is just I see it now and where it's come and it's like I'm so glad that you that you grabbed onto that and you you knew and yet you know you know you want to be a professional football player you want to be a power ranger but you are a you are a professional athlete man that's yeah. fucking incredible yeah I, I always just wanted to be an athlete you yeah know, my whole life all I wanted to do make money playing a sport right you want a regular job and that's kind of what the college thing you were like what am I doing here I got to find an opportunity out it, it was not forced on me by my parents but. It's ingested, bro. They want the best for you. Of course, you know, and I don't blame them. So it's not. And it's such a pivotal time. I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know that this was even an option. A gap th- a gap year wasn't a thing yet. Nope. <laughs> Imagine. I would have taken 10 gap years. For real, bro. Shit, I'll go back to college when I'm done fighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to make my mom happy. But That's it, baby. It's It was one of those things where I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, I was just getting so depressed because I'm doing a bunch of stuff that I didn't want to do and I was half-assing it and I, and uh I was compensating with my depression with partying every night of the week and, and when I say party I partied hard you know like, like alcohol drugs the whole night yeah, yeah, yeah. you know we know how it nothing, goes nothing that I'm like proud of like do I regret it absolutely not it, it's made me refocus and and it made me who I am today but yeah like I don't regret it but it's like god damn am I happy I'm not still doing that yeah bro Dude, Preach. waking up feeling awful every day of the week, like, it, it took me to get in really good shape to know how good it is just to wake up and, and be like, whoa, 
I feel good today. <laughs> what? Yeah. What, what is this feeling? Uh, yeah. you know, and I can be comfortable with this feeling. Like that was the thing for me is like, I, I learned that I could do these physical practices, you know, yoga and working out and I'm, um, you know, well also like stressing my brain and, um, you know, stretching my brain and using this. And then I felt so much better. And I didn't even realize, especially when I do like myofascial release stuff and I do like kinetic stretching and, you know, stuff with pop, you know, postural work where I'm really trying to figure out some of those imbalances. I think, holy shit, you could actually feel this fucking good. Like it's amazing. Yeah. It, it's wild. Uh, and, and all the partying, well, I, I came to this realization that one is making me feel like shit, but like the other thing it's doing, it's giving me a false sense of confidence. Like I was putting up walls that didn't exist. Right. And, and a perfect example, just having a beer in your hand. This was my wall, like like a uh, subconscious wall. I didn't feel comfortable unless this wall was up. But like this is also a barrier between you and I. Right. And it's blocking me off. And I didn't if I didn't have something in my hand, I didn't know what I was doing. Right. And I just like wouldn't talk to anyone or, or wouldn't do anything. So so like getting comfortable being myself was such a big thing. And, and that's the transition into MMA and and more grappling and more striking and more doing this into making me happier and feel better. You know, it's like letting go of that wall. And now when I feel like I compete, there are no walls up. Like you're getting a super raw, uncut, unfiltered version of me where that's the way I feel. Like like it's, it's super uncomfortable too because you don't think about it, but you're in front of thousands of people, your shirt's off, you know, either you look good or you don't like people can tell if you if if you take care of yourself or not you know they can tell if your diet's been on you know and for me like like I was always a chubby kid in high school so I always lacked a little bit of uh self-confidence in my body image in in my own personal self-confidence so like even doing that to this day at 32 you know I I don't struggle with it like I've, I've gone significantly better with it over time but it's something that I still think about I'm like oh my my fat ass self would be happy right now or like, ah, shit, I could have done a little bit better or I don't like the way I looked in, in this fight. You know, I took it super short notice and, and this was a terrible weight cut and I feel fat and bloated. And, and like, those are the things that I feel going in there. But when I'm out there competing, you're getting a raw, uncut version of myself with no walls. In it, and that's and, and with doing that, I feel like I'm, I'm able to take in all this energy from everyone around me and use that in and do things that I never thought were even possible yeah I did that that's like super super powerful you know do um you know just being you're kind of was what I'm hearing is you're just being entirely present yeah you're bringing yourself entirely present yes um you know in the moment and now do do you feel these feelings uh like these weight feelings like while you're walking out to the fight or like this is like before the fight oh this is like I'm walking into the cage, my shirt's off, I'm a little sweaty, I'm uncomfortable. Like, like this isn't a normal thing, right? Right. Like, like even when you're training, you, you most of the time you got your shirt on, and if you don't, you're you're super slippery, like, when you're grappling or striking. So, you know, it, this is, like, something that I'm still getting comfortable with. Wow, yeah, man. I, I, I you know, I have a, like, obviously, you know, I, I was a big guy. You know, I was, you know, I used to be 280 pounds, and, you know, I, there's definitely some stretch marks on my body and, and stuff like that, but I... I I had I actually just spoke with this, um, you know, recently with a guest on uh, just you know this lady who did uh, Naked and Afraid. Okay. And you know she was a person who said you know she was uncomfortable with her body and she used to you know go in the locker room and she would change in the you know in the um, you know in the stall and all that and 
Um, you know, I found that like, uh, I was, you know, feeling those same feelings about my body. You know, I didn't feel good about my body and I just wanted to be comfortable in my body. I am who I am. And if, you know, like if I wanted to look better, it can, or feel better in it, that can be the case. I just have to have some patience and and put in the work to do that Mm -hmm. and, and also go on that journey, which can be a great journey. And so I started to, um, you know, get myself uncomfortable by going to places where I could, uh, legally take my clothes off. Okay. So I would go to like a, you know, a nude beach. You know, and I, you know, but when, I'm, when, you know, we have a mutual friend, you know, Jake, uh, Jake yeah. Marcus, who, who lives in Miami. And when I'm, you know, I went down there to visit him or, you know, I was doing some work down there with, with some honey companies. And I remember in like, this is like 2017 that I specifically went to a, a, you know, a beach where I knew I could take, cause I didn't know you could do that stuff around here at that point. I just thought like, okay, maybe this place in Miami. So I, I did this. And I just had those feelings of being so nervous and being uncomfortable with my body, um, but I, I knew I had to transcend it. I knew I had to get over it. And I knew I had it. That was the path I was on. So I did it, dude. Full full giddy up, you know, and then I'm, I'm walking on the beach and like you realize that one, it's definitely, it's not a sexual thing. You know, there are some bad actors out there who are, you know, whatever. Some people there may want to see a naked body, but like most people's bodies aren't that beautiful, you know, and mm-hmm. but or they are all beautiful. You know, that's really what it is. And so like doing these practices, man, like you know, like this has been vital for me, vital for me and my mental health and my growth is going to, you know, wherever I go, if I can do this at a place, I'll, I'll seek it out and say, oh, is there a place where I can do this and get my, and every time I have those feelings of uncomfortability and then, but it's getting less and less. And it makes me just know like, oh, I'm, I'm comfortable with myself. I can walk around the, naked, the locker room, you know, naked now. And that's a comfortable thing where before it's like, I was just like, I was turning myself or doing this or like, you know, hiding my body. And it's like, yeah, you don't need to do that shit. Well, it- one of the things, right? I was a bartender for a long time, and um, I've seen everything. I, everything you could see in a bar, I've seen it. I worked in the Rowdy's Bar in Plymouth, and the place was fucking awesome. The money was awesome. The people are awesome. They're still awesome. And um, I've seen everything. You, you can plug them if you want. Uh, yeah, Main Street Sports. Okay, baby. Main Street Sports. Get it up. Yeah, in Plymouth, Mass. It's the best bar ever. Yeah, check it out. And, um, uh, I'll tell you what. I've seen everything under the sun. Every scenario you could possibly see, I've seen it. Girls, guys, everything. And um, well, what I'm able to pick up on as a bartender is like I'm reading people's body language and I could tell who's cocky. I could tell who's faking it. Like, like, like cockiness is, is, is people just trying to be overly confident, right? But confidence is the sexiest thing ever. When there's like genuine confidence, it is the sexiest thing. It doesn't matter. Like nothing matters. You, you know what people are drawn to? Energy. Right. And if you're having a good time and nothing matters, people are drawn to that. It doesn't matter whether you're good looking, funny, stutter, doesn't none of that shit matter. Literally nothing fucking matters as long as you're creating positive energy and people are drawn to that. Now, I've seen things where uh, I'll give you an example, like two guys are are competing over the same girl and ultimately they're both insecure fighting over the same girl. Like there's healthy competition. Yeah. But like that girl is going to be a drawn to the guy having fun, not the guys trying to measure their dicks. Here. Yeah, right. So like, I saw that a lot. I saw that a lot. But um, you know, j- just to go back into leaving your comfort zone and doing your thing, like, yeah, it's uncomfortable at first. And like for me, this was comfortable. Yeah. Stuttering. Comfortable. Yeah. yeah. I'll catch myself stuttering sometimes and I make fun of it because I think it's hilarious. Yeah, giddy out. But like, this is my comfort zone. And then like, this was. Well, like, open heart, open chest, this is me. Exactly. So, so it's like you go to those new beaches, you getting comfortable in your skin, like 
you're almost not taught to do that. Right. Like there's so many. Everything things. teaches you not to do that. Of course. Like being naked in public isn't okay. Like there, there, there's going to school. You can't do certain things. You can't take your shirt off. You can't do this. You know, exactly. it's like, you know, even like shirts and skins at school. Like that wasn't even a thing. Like if we were doing that outside on the playground, that was okay. But if we tried to do that in the gymnasium, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been cool. It would have been like throwing some pennies. It's just like. It's almost like society's conditioning you to be in this like little box and there's a whole world out there that no one cares about anything. And um I don't get me wrong, everyone cares about shit, but like there there's important stuff to each individual. But like overall, what I'm doing right now and with my life has no impact on anyone else other than what I'm in my circle. Yep. You know, so and even so, in my circle, it doesn't really matter. No one's actually thinking about what I'm doing right now. Other than you and I in this podcast, right now, in this moment, no one gives a shit what the fuck I'm doing. Right. And, and, and like, I hate to say it, probably same with you and, and Mike over there. Like, no one is checking in with us right now. Right. We're just here. And too many people are, are so worried about what's happened to them and letting traumatic experiences impact what they're doing right now. And, like, I love what? it. They're so worried about what's going to happen. Like, all that is is anxiety. If you're worried about some shit that's going to happen or you think's going to happen or you're playing out scenarios in your head that haven't even happened off of something that you're thinking of, that's just fucking anxiety. That's stressful. Like, you could just not think about that. And and that is the most beautiful thing about fighting. No one thinks about it like this, but it draws everyone together right like so so what i'm really good at is getting people emotionally invested in me right so i compete for a scheduled 15 minutes and i'm getting everyone all excited about this this one little event that's gonna happen right oh yeah yeah. they like getting people to 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 buy shirts like 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 i'm giving people a raw piece of me right and i'll tell you what when that that time comes when you walk out and when you get in the cage until that that bout is over, no one is worried about anything that's happened before then, and no one's ha- worried about anything happening after that. You're right there with me, and, and this is what I do such a good job of, and and this is why I believe that I I'm great at what I do. Is like if you're emotionally invested in me, you're not worried about what just happened. You're not worried about your girlfriend. You're not worried about this bullshit. And you're not worried about what's after. You're right there, present with me, and, and I'm able to, like I said earlier, use that energy and create something awesome that that like i'm able to do things that are almost superhuman yeah it, you know? it trans it transcends it transcends the you know what we would normally think of as as reality exactly exactly and i'm able to share that which what, is so cool can you can you give uh, like an exa- like an, ex- an actual concrete example of that like what you um you know the change that you feel or the change that you see like you know you're you're you sell all these shirts you get all these people hyped up and then what do you, you know you're what you mean is you're in that 15 minutes, the energy that you're creating is present. Yeah. Everyone is there right there because they're emotionally invested in you and they're like, fuck, I want Don to win. I, I want Don to, to be a part of this. I need it in there. They're right there. And that, that, yeah, fighting definitely, it does that. You know, you, cause you have to be present or you're going to get the shit kicked yeah, out of you. If you're not, you know, um, there are bad things that happen. Yeah. You know? And uh, so is that, that just a bit, that's what you're talking about. Cause like the energy thing, man, it is so clear. And I like what you're saying about this, you know, the anxiety thing. I, I love that. I think that that, that's a, you know, that's definitely going to be a, a quote and a clip that we put on the social media. Cause like, for sure, man, collab like, me with it. Collab me. Always dude. Always. Cause like, this is, this is, you know, Michael and I, we deal with this every day, you mm-hmm. know, not allowing our past trauma and our past stress 
uh, to stress us out, mm-hmm. um, you know, to to dictate what's going to happen next. Because like the only way is through. Mm-hmm. That's what we always say. The only way is through, and you just have to do it. You have to get a little bit uncomfortable. You have to do it. You have to go from being comfortable with the, the drink yeah. in your hand to opening up the heart and being there. And then once you learn that, then you can learn that more, and then you can start to transcend that and help other people. You mo- you're you're essentially what you're doing is you're modeling it for other people. Trying to, yeah, yeah dude. Yeah, my, my, my ultimate goal is to, I think, be an inspirational speaker. I really think that I can influence some kids in maybe trying something that they would never think of doing or they didn't think was possible. Yeah. You know, if I can convince someone, you have no idea how big the ripple effect is. If I can convince someone they're capable of doing anything that they didn't think they were capable of doing, you don't know how like, like how that, that branches out and, and how that can impact the world. Yeah, bro. That's 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 why we're here. Yeah. You know, is because of that inspiration. And that's why I have people who are on this show or is people who are pioneers in whatever space that they're in. And that's obviously what you are. You know, you're somebody who didn't even have a wrestling program and the UFC didn't even exist. You know, podcast didn't exist when we were in high school and now we're we're blazing a trail to try to create ripples. And you see it, it's such a real thing. I have all these people reaching out to me. Um you know, like, you know, we're doing good. You know, the podcast is being, you know, successful, I would say, for being, a, you know, a, this is show 20, you know, that we've recorded. And like, that's, you know, this is great. You know, the things are going well. We're getting a ton of listens, a ton of re-listens, a ton of subscribers. Um, and I'm feeling that. I'm feeling this, you know, what we're doing for other people and like what, you know, what they're doing for me. Because it, it is all about that oneness, the togetherness and and showing people that, hey, man, you everybody is capable of what they think they're capable of. It's funny. I, I heard about your podcast through DeRosa. He's like, dude, I don't know how you came up in conversation, but he was like, I've always just had a kid. He's doing a podcast. He, he's he's a doctor. He's doing honey. Like, and I'm, and I'm, and then ironically, like, not too long after that, so I already had this image in my mind. Like, all right, dope. He's fucking doing something, right? So many people don't do anything. He's doing something. And then you commented on a post of me posting about Connor, and you're like, oh, I love Connor. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, dope. And I don't know how this happened, but here I am right now. And you're going to get all walks of life. And it doesn't matter what the craft is. You're going to get a ton of people like and dislike me sitting right here across from you, which it, which is going to be pretty dope. Yeah, bro. That And that's what it is. It's like, this is what lights up my life. This is what makes me want to exist is doing this. And that's, I, I found it, you know, so I found it. And now I have to not worry about anything else and figure out how to make this possible for me and for you know, uh, to show people that it's possible for them as well. Yeah, jump in the pool head first, you know. Head first. Someone's got to do it, and uh, why not go all in, you know? You could always get more chips, <laughs> yeah. You could always get more chips, man. Like you said, we're, we're young now, we're going for it, and they're, you know, I think we'll talk about this a little bit later because there, there is risk with it, you know? There is serious risk with it, Um, but that's with anything. And, like, truly finding out who you are, man, this, like, this time on Earth, this is a journey of, of you know, Don becoming Don, Steve becoming Steve, Michael becoming Michael. And, like, it's so important that you have the support to be able to do that, but also you know how to do that. You have the plan within yourself. And I, I think that you have, man. You're, you're showing it. So well, I am, but I still got more work to do. Way more work. Uh, like, <laughs> the work's not done. Bro, like, it's never done. It's starting. You know, it's never done. Right. No. Yeah, exactly. And that's like kind of that's kind of like where we're at is like, this is great. People come in here and give us, you know, give us compliments about the show and all this. And like today there's no more cameras 
on this, which is great. You know, before for the first 19 shows, we had cameras right here. Okay. Now they're back here, you know, so we got a little giddy up in there and that, that, that just makes improved production. So they're not on the wide shot anymore. And before you know it, they're going to be hanging from the ceiling and it's going to, the, the room's going to evolve and you're going to have different guests, different t- things, things are going to be constantly evolving, which is going to that, Well, that's it too. And don't be afraid of that constant of, uh, you know, evolution people. Like it's, it's right there in front of you. You need to go for it. And what you think is it's going to happen. It's, it might not happen. It, it's, but you need to just continue down the path, put one foot in front of the other. And, and you were talking about risk earlier, but like with change comes risk, right? Like, like I've made so many risky calls in my life, you know, like, like I moved out to the middle of the Midwest, the middle of fucking nowhere. I knew no one. I like, but wait, 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 though, wait, though. So I, 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 I know the story, but I want the listeners to, uh, I, I kind of know the story and I, I want the listeners to understand it fully. So college, sure. You start to, you find a gym, you start fighting a little yep. bit. And you start getting after it, and you start to fight a little bit around here, right? Yeah. You start to get has some fights around here. Yeah. So, uh, I meet my head coach Eric Roseman, and uh, he's the best. He's my guy, you know. So, like, me and him connect. We end up having a mutual friend who fought in the UFC. We ended up cornering him together in the UFC. So, I've never been to a UFC event, and I'm, my first time at a UFC event, I'm cornering someone as an amateur. So I think I was like a two or three fight pro and I'm cornering someone now for the UFC and he fucked it up real bad. And I remember thinking, I'm like, wow, fucked up his weight, fucked up a whole bunch of shit. And I'm, I remember thinking like in that moment, I'm like, wow, I could do exactly what he does. Just not the bad parts. So like, like not fuck it up. Yeah. Like, like I could do everything he's doing and I could do it better. And, and, it, and it wasn't me comparing myself to him. I just saw what it took for him to get there, and I saw, like, where he made these mistakes, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it, it, it fucking clear as day. I just don't fuck up this. Don't don't make the dumb, dumb decisions, and it's like a little bit of common sense goes a long way, but, like, some people are blind to what's right in front of them, too, so. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's sometimes it is common sense because it is common sense to you and I, but, like, when sometimes people are going through stuff, they're, they don't realize, you know, it's, it's not common sense to them. Hence, like, sometimes you're blind to what's right in front of you. Yeah, no, exactly. That's exactly, you're blind to, like, what's right in front of you. And you saw, yeah. And describe your hand. Yeah, exactly, bro. And you, you saw the, opp- you, like you said, you weren't competing, you know, you weren't comparing yourself. You were just, you saw this opportunity that existed for people who were, uh, you know, on your path. And you said, this guy, he had this opportunity and he did it this way. I'm going to do it this way. Yeah. It, it, essentially, he didn't listen. And he didn't listen in, in a few different things when it came to weight a few personal things and like what he chose to do after he lost. Yeah. Right. And that's a giddy up. This and, is Don's story though. You know, and, and I saw that and I'm like, wow, there's no reason why I can't do this. Like, like he's living his dream, which is fucking dope. He fucked it up. Like I could do that and not fuck it up. And, and that's exactly the position I'm in right now. You know, I'm just trying not to, to make the same mistakes that I've seen or, or learn through his mistakes. Yeah. You know, so, I meet this guy, Eric, we, we cornered this dude, go out to Colorado, it was cool, um, come back, and I'm like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go all in, I'm all in, this is what I'm doing with my life, and uh, it's a, it's also an interesting transition, because my parents were super, like, my family's super loving, they're, they're such a big support system of me, they didn't understand, and they didn't know what I wanted, so they, they pushed back on when I told them this, uh, my, my, my first two amateur fights, they they gave me some ultimatums that that didn't 
that weren't nice, right? And I was an adult and I made decisions and I faced those ultimatums. It, it is what it is, right? You mean but, like in terms of like fighting out of your weight class? Um... I, I'd rather not get into it. You know, okay. My, my parents are super supportive now and, and um, it, it's one of those things where it's just like, you just made some. You, they didn't. They didn't want me to get hurt. They loved me. Yeah. You know, and and it's coming from a place of love. So they gave me these decisions where it's like I could do this or this. Yeah. And I had to live by those. And, and I was an adult, so I made a fucking decision, and and I live by it, and I don't regret it for a second. Granted, at the time, that was a pain in the fucking ass. But like when I pulled them aside uh, after after doing this experience, I'm like, hey, look, this is what I want to do with my life. You can either get on board. Or you'll never hear from me again. And, and I gave them an ultimatum. I'm like, look, this is what I'm fucking doing. You can either be with it or not. I'm doing it. Right. And uh, they're like, all right. Like, right. You know, we love you so much. Like, how, how can we support exactly. you? Exactly. The only way is through. You had exactly. to go through some uncomfortability. And, exactly. and that's how you get to the, the end goal. If there is actual deep love there. And they're my biggest supporters now. When they didn't support it at first, like they're some of my biggest supporters. Like. If I need my mom to be outside the fucking TD Garden slinging shirts for me just so I could break even on them, you know, dude, she would do that. She hates seeing me fight. My my dad doesn't like it, but uh, it, it, but it they're was there for you exactly. So like, after my third fight, like this is what I'm doing, and uh, I had six amateur fights. I was undefeated. I was an amateur champion, and then um, my coach, she was like, "Hey, time to go pro." I'm like. Time to giddy up. Yeah. So uh, I make that transition from amateur to pro. There's no actual real transition. The only difference between amateur and pros is uh, time and what's allowed. So it's like uh, there uh, amateur fight is three three-minute rounds. If it's a title fight, three five-minute rounds. So a total of nine minutes for a regular bout. A title fight's a total of 15 minutes. Um, as a professional, it's three five-minute rounds. So it's 15 minutes. And a title fight is five, five minutes, so 25 minutes. Most pros never see 25 minutes. I've seen 25 minutes. Sucks. <laughs> but, um, you know, as I transition pro, you know, I think I'm fucking hot shit. So this is where ego and confidence fucking kick me right in the nuts. Because um, you're 6-0 and as an amateur and you're starting to do, you know, you're going pro. So you say, hey, I'm going pro, baby. Get yeah, up. You, yeah. Did you have some success right off the bat as a pro? No. Okay. Okay. So that, yeah. that so that's where we're at. We're we're right in that transition. Okay. Yep. So um, I I get a matchup. I'm fighting this dude, uh, Jeremy Davis, right? And um, everything's fine. I make weight, no problem. Competing at 145 as a professional, and um, fight 17 seconds long. I get hit with a jab. My eyelid splits in half just off a jab. Something I've been hit with a million times didn't hurt me. Didn't rock me. Didn't do anything. It just cut me a little bit. And the placement was terrible. My eyelids split in half. So it was like I had two eyelids. So when I blinked, blood was going into my eyes. The fight was 17 seconds long. The doctor freaked out because there's blood in your eye. And if you have blood in your eye, you can't see. So the doctor called the fight. She's like, you could lose your eye. I'm like, dude, the fight hasn't even started. I got hit one time. Like, like it wasn't like I got cracked or anything. But you know what? When you're starting a fight, you're dry. Your, your skin's like sticky because... You you warm up in the back and then you cool down, then you warm up and then you're ready to go, but then you're waiting. It's like when you're fighting, it's hurry up and fucking wait. So it's like, be ready, be ready, be ready. Like you're on in three fights. Like you don't know how long those fights are going to be. The guy can get knocked out in 30 seconds or the fight can be 15 minutes long. So 
you don't like TV time's a little bit different with the UFC. Each, each bout scheduled for half an hour, so they have pretty much two fights an hour. But w- when you're fighting the local scene, they they cram as many guys on a card as they can. Yep. Because they need to sell tickets, and each guy's selling tickets, and, and yep. that's how they they make money. But you know, so it's like it's hurry up and fucking wait. So it's like your st- skin gets a little sticky because you got to do your whole walkout, then you, your opponent walks out, or your opponent walks out, then you walk out, and like. You're not sweating again. So, like, if, if you're sweating going into the cage, it's great. You know, your skin's slippery. They Vaseline you up. But, like, they don't Vaseline your eyelid. Right. You know, so his glove was dry. My skin was dry. My eyelid. Ripped it. Just, just like, a little paper cut on my eyelid. And the doctor stopped it. So, I start off my pro career own one. Own one. Own one. And he celebrated like he just knocked me the fuck out. I of course. Like, you got that. you kidding me, dude? Like, right. I, I was so upset with the doctor. I'm like, can I keep fighting? I'm physically fine right like dude you're blind in your eye you can't see you go blind i'm like nothing i could do about that all right shit own one is a pro what a fucking start all right so then i fight again i choke some dude out in 40 something seconds and then uh we're at 500 yeah we're one and one right then i have two fights for bellator i get uh a decision win and then i knock someone out that was pretty cool i'm three and one yeah then, yeah and I'm out in Vegas training with some guys. Uh, they bring me to the UFC PI, which is super cool. I'm actually leaving Wednesday. The PI? Uh, the Performance Institute, sorry. Uh, for the listeners. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you know, but yep. for the listeners. That's it, baby. Good catch. Good mm-hmm. catch. Always. That's why I'm here. Yeah. So um, they bring me out to the PI, and I was I was like, so cool. I'm training with a couple of UFC guys at the Performance Institute, and um, I'm seeing like all these things these guys get access to, and I'm like, all right, if I keep winning, like, I'm going to be here someday. The care, like, it, you know, being the, 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 the nutrition, the gym, the weight, the training. Oh, my God. This place the opportunity. is unbelievable. I'm going to, to Vegas tomorrow to, to train uh, and use the, the benefits of the PI. There's free food, uh, free nutrition. They have you just nutrition. have to be a professional fighter to, to have access nope. to this? Nope. So you, you have to be in rostered on the UFC. Rostered on the UFC. Yep. Okay. Uh, they have PT work. No, no, no sneaking Dr. B while in there. You could come with me. Okay, cool. But you don't get access to everything. Like you wouldn't get access to cryotherapy or the infrared. But I could check out the. I could check it out. You could come with me, and you could be my training partner. Cool. Okay. So maybe I'll, maybe we'll have to plan that. You know, bring out the videographer, and we'll we'll get out there yeah. for a session. Like if if I want to bring a video guy, I I can bring up to two or three guests. Fuck yeah, man. training partners, coaches, whatever. Okay. Um, but like I so, can't just bring random people off the street. Like hey, uh, right, hundred bucks come. No, yeah, fucking. Of course not. Yeah, no, they're gonna done done rescheduled his flight from today to tomorrow so he could do this show with us, everybody. Nice. I was looking at today. Tomorrow, the prices were a little bit better, so. So it actually ended up working out. It worked out a little bit better, yeah. Yeah. But I was actually super excited to see you, so this is a double win. Yeah, double win, baby. So, um, what do you call it? So, I've seen these three guys get ready for their fight in, in Boston uh, for the UFC, and uh, I was like, oh, dude, I just got to keep winning. And, and we are training... And I heard my arm, like my arm like went numb. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. And um, I don't think I was getting the proper rest uh, just because I was like on the couch for a couple nights. And uh, I was just out in Vegas, just I was gonna say, training. Was, were you in Vegas or were you just there to train? I, I was just there to train, but, you know, my spot was on the couch. Like I, I was the extra guy yeah. that, that was there to help them. But uh like overall, cool experience, but my arm went numb, and I'm like, oh, that like I was training. It was just like a little, a little thing. Like, um, my arms never went numb. That's weird. Whatever. Next day, I'm training. Like, ah, uh, it felt weird, but whatever. 
keep training. We end up flying home a few days later. And um, over time, I kept training. And then I had a fight. So I think their fight was like January, February, or like beginning of the year. And then I had a fight in April. Uh, so I kept training. Uh, I did, I'm Like, I helped these guys out. Like, I was teammates with them. But I was like part of their team. Right. Like, you, were, you weren't in their corner. Well, no, no, no. Like, they invited me to hang with them. Yeah, of course. Like, I was there to help out. But, like, I had my own team in my gym. And, and yeah, okay. It, it was, like, a really cool experience to see these guys that are still in the UFC. So, um, what do you call it? I go back. I'm training with my coach. Fast forward a little bit. And, like, I'm, I'm getting, like, my back's hurting. Right? And, like, we're approaching a fight. So, like, I'm going to chiropractor once a week. Like, like, I usually try and get body work done once a week, but, like, it turned into twice a week. Then it turned into three days a week. And then I couldn't move unless I got body work done to train. So every day I would drive from Easton to Salem, see my chiropractor who fixed me. From Salem, I'd go into Boston, I'd train, then drive home, right? And I was doing that every day. You know, like, the miles I was putting in my car was fucking outrageous. Yeah. And, uh... Essentially, like, I didn't realize how injured I was. So then I was slated to fight at 145. My opponent pulled out fight week. I get rescheduled for a black belt out of Gracie Tampa, who didn't have a very good record at the time, who now has a winning record. Um, but it was at the wrong weight class. I was fighting at 155. And um, what happened there was fought a very good black belt. I lost. I lost 29-28. And after the fight, I'm on the floor fucking screaming. No one knows at the time. I didn't even know. My neck was broken. I, I shattered my vertebrae. I ruptured my disc. I pinched a nerve. Right? Yeah. So I didn't realize how fucked up it was. I knew something was wrong when I went back after the first round. I had this deep-ass guillotine. The round ends. I walked back to my corner. I'm thinking like, wow, I'm in pain. My coach is like giving me directions. I'm like... I can't tell him I'm hurt right now because he'd stop the fight. Like, dude, the guy loves me. Yeah, he would do what what's best for my health. Of course, it's a that's always that that yeah. that that uh, in between a fighter and, and the coach. He, the fighter never wants to actually say to throw the fight because he doesn't yeah. want to give up ever. That's the, a fighter would die in the ring, but the coach wants to protect the fighter. So there's always that like battle and, between. And, and he knows like if like if I'm ever like really fucked up, he would know when to throw in the towel. But I would also like. He wouldn't be my guy if he'd throw in the towel. Like, I'm not a fucking quitter either. Right. Right? So, like, that's one thing. Like, I'm not a fucking quitter. Yeah. I, like, I've done a lot of things. I've fucked up a lot of shit. I've I've came short in a lot of things. I'm not a fucking quitter. Yeah, bro. So, I fight two more rounds with a broken neck. I lose that fight 29-28. And after the fight, the, their doctors are checking me out. And I'm on the floor fucking, like, like, like involuntary fucking screaming. At the, like they, they ended up bringing me upstairs and I'm like I'm on the floor like fucking screaming and, and my teammate will tell you it's the scariest thing you ever fucking seen I'm just in so much pain I, I end up like calming down because after the adrenaline wore off I, I was I can't even describe to you what kind of pain I was in but um go to the hospital they hit me with drugs I slept for four days I slept in the fetal position for four days on my parents couch and um when I couldn't sleep unless I had the drugs in me. So I think they hit me with like fentanyl, dilaudid, and morphine. Like they hit me with that trio. I was like, all of them. Yeah. All at once. And um, like I couldn't sleep. I couldn't do anything. I'd be in severe pain. So finally, uh, what ends up happening is 
I have to take some time off work and uh, like pretty much at this point living at my parents' house. Yeah, and uh, three and two record, three and two. I'm like broken neck, living at your parents. We find out it's a broken neck. I have surgery a month later, and uh, that took me out for a year. Right, so it's like what, like 2018, 2018. So I I broke it April 14th, 2018, and then I had surgery May 25th. Yeah, uh, so just five weeks later, I came back to fighting April 6th or April 4th, something like that. It was like one week shy of a year. So it took me out for a fucking year from broken neck, where most people would never compete again. Like I had surgery. That put me out no exercise three months. And I was actually just talking to my sister about this and like how I was a dickhead to her. But I gained 40 pounds in that time. So I went from like 155 to 195 just because I wasn't able to exercise or walk for more than 10 minutes. Yep. Um, I, I don't know if I want to tell this story because she might get mad at me. <laughs> but I think it's kind of funny. I'm going to say it anyway. Yeah. So my sister just started running at the time. And um, she just started running and... She fucking signed up for a half marathon. She kind of pussied out of it. Okay. All right. So my first day I get cleared is the same day she ran a half marathon, like was scheduled. She pussied out of the half marathon and I got mad at her. Asshole brother I am. I ran it. I didn't run the half marathon, but I ran to my buddy James's house, which was six point, uh, or like, it was like 6.6 miles to James's house. And then I ran back. So I ran 13.2 miles back and forth. So. She uh she was not thrilled with me, and I'm sure she wouldn't be thrilled hearing this story. But it's it's pretty funny. But you know what? Now she's banging out. She banged out a half marathon last weekend. She's banging out. She's banged out like six or seven full marathons. She's fucking kicking ass. Yeah, I mean, I said again, the only way is through. So like you know maybe she's pissed at you for putting it out into the ether. But you know you showed her because you guys obviously have that brotherly sister relationship, and that's an okay thing for that to exist and to, to push each other. And you said, hey, I you said you were going to do this and you didn't do it, and uh, you went against your word. I'm going to show you that you don't need to do that. That you have this power within you. We all have this power within you. So I hope that she doesn't take it in a bad way because I'm taking this as a very inspirational story from from her. The fact that she saw this and then said, giddy up, now she's crushing half marathons and marathons. Oh, like she, she's absolutely it. Financially, like her personal life, her work life, she she's killing life right now. Like, Hell yeah, I'd be happier for that. Be. But it's so funny because uh, James's brother Timmy was like, "Did Don break his neck, have surgery, not gain forty pounds, then run a half marathon?" The first day's clear. Like, yeah, it's just pretty fucking. Funny. Yeah, uh, you got to know Timmy. Of course, I know Timmy. Yeah. He had a conversation with James. James told me that, and I'm like, that always stuck. I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I did do that. Yeah. Well, that's that, that. That you know, that just speaks to you. You know, it speaks to you. Your your grit. You know, that's what you said. That that's gotten you here is your grit. So that kind of showed you, hey, I'm I'm back. I'm back, and I can start training again. So that was after that was when you were first cleared. So like after three mm-hmm. three months of no exercise, three months no exercise, three months no contact. So I could now start to do my PT. I could start doing like these kettlebell exercises where I'm holding a kettlebell like this and and like you wouldn't believe how two pounds is after three months four months of atrophy and uh like this is so difficult just holding a kettlebell like this walking back and forth yeah man like like doing these different exercises it it was awful so three months of that three months of training without without contact so like I would be able to hit the bag hit mitts work on certain things like but I wouldn't have any live contact. So I'd be able to like work on moves like like your basic submissions, like drills, drills, drill triangles, drill 
stuff with a partner, yeah, wouldn't be able to go live. Anyway, wouldn't actually be able to spa with them or anything. Yeah, no, no, no going live. Okay. And then the final three months was like, I'm able to go live. And at the end of that, one week shy of a year, I competed again, knocked someone out in 10 seconds. Okay, so you, this was kind of good for you. So you kind of just, this was a slow me down a little bit. Let me retrain the body. Let me really focus this. Now, was it, like, obviously money is a real thing. Was it that challenging during this time period, you know, with yeah. financing? Obviously yeah. you were living at home, so that that's helpful and stuff. And yep. you were making sacrifices and stuff. But were you, you know, I'm, I'm just saying this because, like, you're blazing a trail for other people. And other people might be curious about how you were able to make that possible. I mean, I, I was living on my own, but um, my parents helped me out tremendously. Okay, so you had I, you already moved, you had moved out of your parents. Yeah. You just went home to, to, like, recover with them for a little bit. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Like, they, they pretty much took care of me. Like, a useless. Yeah. Well, not useless, dude. A, a, a sick, a sick person who just got broke his neck. You know. So, they're they're all concerned. They don't want me competing again. My doctors advising me like, "Hey, look, there's a three percent chance every year it goes up. Like, yep. you could re-injure not that exact location, but above and below." And I'm like, "All right, well, I don't care about the risk. I just jumped through hoops to get cleared again. Like, I had to get the doctor to sign off, like my surgeon to sign off on it. Uh, luckily, I knew the nurse. Like in my personal life, I knew the nurse." So she helped me out in getting, like, reaching out and getting his signature. And Knowing how, how that this was the right path for you. Yeah. You know, like, you can give me your medical advice and that's an okay thing, but I'm also allowed to make my own decisions based on what your opinion was. So pretty much everyone doesn't want me to compete again. And, and, and in my mind, I remember being in the hospital and my coach was like, like, he was uh, the only person that visited me that was outside my family was my head coach. And, I, and the first thing I said to him, I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm going to fight in the UFC. And um, he's like, all right. And like he, that was that. That was that. So, so you come back, you knock this fucker out in, in 10, 10 seconds. I throw a knee, connects. Flying so knee. Not not even flying. Just like, I, oh, knee. yeah, okay. And uh, it connected. Uh, they considered it a flying knee on, on the, the tapology or whatever. But like, I just threw a knee and it connected and he fell. I'm like, all right, heck yeah. And I got so excited. So yeah. that was a super emotional experience. Like there was a point in time where I didn't know if I was ever going to compete again or be cleared to compete again. Like I had to jump through fucking hoops from doctors to right to a bunch of extra shit to a bunch of PT to, all right, 10 seconds. That was dope. And then um, I fought again. And uh, I had a much tougher fight. I knocked him out in three minutes. And I fought again. And I got a submission in the first round. And then I fought again and uh, I knocked. Um, the brother of a UFC guy out in the second round. I knocked him out, and um, I'm already I'm on a four fight win streak. I'm I'm seven and two, right? I'm getting lined up to fight. That was guy. pretty quick that you won those four fights in. Oh yeah, it was back to back to back to back. It was like uh, like within like like a couple of months or um, it, it was four months a year within a year. I don't know. Uh, so I was saying that that's that's just four fights in a year is even. A lot, right? Yeah. So I was scheduled for my fifth fight in a year, all off my year coming off a layoff. So I had to make up time. So in my mind, it's like, fuck, I'm going to the UFC. I need to make up fucking time. I just need fights. So I'm scheduled for my fifth fight in a year. We're like two or three weeks out from the fight. I sold this motherfucker out. Oh my God. I sold over 30 grand worth of tickets. I broke every record there was. Like I already set the record for tickets at this one specific venue what um, what um what what uh were you fighting under what league uh cage titans so cage titans, for okay. cage titans and i'm slated for the 145 title i'm supposed to fight this guy Darius estelle right we're three weeks out i sold thirty thousand dollars worth of tickets pretty much i pretty much sold 
four or five hundred tickets to this one event in Plymouth, right? And um, three weeks out, you know what happens? Injury, COVID nineteen. Ah, oh, right. Yo, COVID. Yeah. So, I go from being on the top of the world to like killing it with hunks, oh, dude. Killing with fuck, kids. fuck, fuck. Killing it with everything. Right. I'm on a four fight win streak. I'm about to win this 145 title. This in my mind, like this fight's gonna send me off to the UFC at eight and two. All right, dope. Right. COVID fucking nineteen happens. They cancel my fight. I have to refund everyone. I gotta refund all my friends. Okay. That's cool. Some of my friends are like, nah, hold on to the money. Like, just honor the ticket when you, you your next fight. Like, no one knew it was, it was like two weeks and then back, like, two right. weeks. Ago, uh, fuck that, dude. Like, um, what, what's it? Uh, curve? Uh, what, what was the saying? Like, flatten the curve. Fuck your curve, bro. Fuck your curve. <laughs> fuck every single thing about your Yeah, curve. fuck every single thing uh, about the way that that situation was handled. Man, I, We're past I, it. We got to we got to heal from it. We we got we got to we got to talk about it still and make it know that it was a real thing and some real things were done fucking wrong and and fuck some people up and it's it needs to be rectified. But the only way is through and we need to get past it. And uh, as a society, that's how it needs to be. Let me tell you though, this was such a kick in the nuts. It's Dude, I find momentum, bro. And pissed on it. Yeah. So COVID nineteen happens. Cancel my fight. I got to refund everyone. The money I had from other people, I separated, but. I ran out of money real quick because I was bartending at the time. I was yeah. training full time. I was bartending at nights, just three nights a week. And uh, I lost my job. So we went from like having work steady, killing it to like having maybe one four hour shift a week in the pandemic. Right. It wasn't just the work. When you said the work, it means it's bar work yeah. that is just gone. To, Fuck. to collecting unemployment. Yep. Losing my unemployment for whatever reason. Yeah. You're like, uh, I, I think I was like on food stamps or like a EBT card or something like that. I lost my food card. Uh, I lost my EBT because I was getting too much from unemployment. Like, how the fuck does that work? Like, what is going on? Like, you don't understand like how much money I was making that I just had the opportunity lost from. Literally stolen away from me because of the regulation and, and what you guys are doing. Yes. With the political agendas, like I'm not going to get into that. Like everyone has their own opinion on it. Um, yeah, I'm not talking. About, I'm not talking politically. I'm talking about the opportunity that was taken away yeah, from you. Yeah, that's uh, that's what happened. It was it was politically both sides of it. Every everybody fucked up. So, so it, was, it shouldn't have happened. So what happened was I lost my job. I lost my fight. I I didn't lose my fight. I lost the opportunity to fight. Yep. Uh in in the middle of pandemic, something weird happened. I got a phone call from who is now my manager, uh, Jason House, and he's like, "Hey, look, love what you're doing." Uh We've had our eye on you. Really like to sign you. I'm like, I have no idea who this fucking guy is. Go figure. He's the best manager in the world right now. Oh, wow. He's got over 100 UFC guys on the roster. Yeah. Damn. So I kind of like put him on ice because I just didn't know who he was. I talked to my coach. He's like, yeah, we'll, we'll listen to him. So I remember the day I signed with him, right? This is a few months after like, there's no training. Like Massachusetts was super strict. There was no training. There were no gyms. There was no like... If you were training, it was in secret and like to organize a group, it, it was like illegal. And uh, yeah, I do. But, and not only illegal, like the social pressure from fucking people to wear your mask and, and like to like live your life a certain way by other people was fucking horseshit. So it was like everything you're doing, you're kind of trying to like shut the fuck up and stay at home and like be a good person. But like I'm also a professional athlete that I need to do these things. Be a good person, right? Yeah. So tough, dude. Well, to you, I might be a good person, but to someone else, 
I don't like me, and that's fine. Well, of course, that's what I'm. But that's what I'm saying. Like you know, that, that people all make that, and that stuff is fine. But people make these decisions based off stuff that that shouldn't. They shouldn't be making these decisions off of, and it sh- and it should be fine. But we should let people live their lives, and just so tough that you had to go through that, man. You're literally on top of the world, dude. Fucking killing it to like what the fuck, right? So what happens is, um, I end up signing with this guy. The day I sign with him, he offers me a fight in the contender series. Now I'm over 108 pounds. House. House, yeah. House. House, he offers me a fight in the contender series that week. I'm like, dude, I can't make weight because the UFC was the only thing going on sports-wise during the pandemic. Yeah. Like, dude, I have no training partners, no gym. Like, I don't even have a treadmill. Like, I don't know what the fuck you want me to do. Like, right. I signed with you, but I'm like, I don't, I can't fucking possibly set myself up for success at this point in time with these, this setting. So, um, fast forward a little bit next week. Calls me up. Hey, we got another short notice fight. UFC this weekend. Can you make weight? And no. Can't fucking make weight. Next week, same thing. Not for the contender series. Now it's for the UFC. So I, I'm ultimately like rejecting my dream because I know I'm not set up for success. And it, and it got to the point where I was just like, I don't know what you want me to do. Like, I like give me two months and, and I'll, I'll run outside with a fucking mask on. Like, I'll like, I'll try and get in shape from running, but like you need so much more than that, right? And my coach is like, look, if you quarantine, you can stay with me. And my, my coach, uh, he has half an immune system, so he's super, super, I don't want to say scared, but like he, ha- he has to take serious precaution yeah. during this whole time because with having an immune system, if he got COVID, he'd die. Yeah, there was definitely people you know, who definitely were you know at more risk, for sure. Exactly. With a compromised immune system, he didn't want to take that re- risk. So it was like, he was like, dude, if you, if you quarantine yourself by yourself for two weeks you can stay with me and like this is when like things started moving to Abu Dhabi and all and yeah, all that right. stuff and, and it was just too that's crazy the, everyone who's not familiar with the UFC that's why the UFC was able to the, you know they were canceling all these professional sports all this stuff but the UFC was you know not operating in the United States and they were going to different places so that they could do these fights well even with going to Abu Dhabi uh, they still had such strict protocols like you had a quarantine before you went out you had a quarantine after you went there you had to be there for you had to pretty much quarantine for a month, two weeks before, two weeks after. COVID tests every fucking day. It was crazy. So, yeah, pretty much I couldn't accept any of those fights. And it got to the point where mid-pandemic, I go to my coach. I go, get me the fuck out of Massachusetts. Yeah. So he had a conversation with uh, House. And House had a conversation with a few other coaches. And my coach spoke to another coach. And... um I moved to the middle of fucking Midwest. I, I like, so I was in a relationship. I had a bartending job that I wasn't really working because of the pandemic. I was losing out on fights. So I had this one conversation with uh, the coach and um, what do you call it? Off that one conversation, it was on a Friday. I broke up with my girlfriend. I quit my job. I packed up all the stuff out of my apartment, dropped it off of my parents. And by Monday, I was all packed up. Tuesday, I was on the road, and Wednesday, I was in the middle of fucking nowhere, Midwest. Middle of nowhere, no mid Midwest. Like, no anyone. Whereabouts? Uh, Missouri. Missouri. I, I drove out to Missouri, and uh, pretty much uh, he, such a big opportunity he presented me with. He, he got me a place to stay, paid for my first month's rent. I was in a fighter house. It wasn't anything special, but let me tell you, the fucking training was legit. Yeah. And I learned so much in the first two months there. I learned more than I did in the last two years, and I spent about almost two years there, and uh, I learned so much fucking much at that gym. is It's fucking crazy. Yeah, bro. It's crazy. 
That's that's amazing. So how long how long were you how long were you there total at this gym? Uh, about two years. About two years. Okay, yeah. and you were living in this house for two years and just training, getting better. Okay, so then when was the next like when was the next fight? You know, so like you got the you're, you're currently seven and two. Yep. And you're now you're in the Midwest. Yep. Um, and you know, so tell me tell me about this a little bit. Okay, so what ends up happening is I'm scheduled to fight this same dude again. So everything clears up from the pain. Okay. So fast forward a year and a half. The great, okay. the the Gracie, the Gracie Jiu Jitsu from from Tampa. Uh no, no, that was Daniel Matos. Oh, that's the guy you already beat. No, it was what 29, 29, 28. Exactly. Yeah, that, okay, so now, so this is the guy you were scheduled for for the yep. for the big fight. You sold thirty take tickets to. Yep. Uh this was Darius Estelle. So I'm Darius Estelle. Okay. I'm supposed to fight Darius Estelle. He pulls out. Right. Yep. And uh, they line me up with this kid Shane Manley, and uh, Shane and I. Uh, he thought we were supposed to fight for a different event some other time, and and like he ended up pulling out of this fight, right? So they made a whole another event three weeks later, right? So what now? What uh, what organization? What league is this? K Shines. Still K Shines. Okay. Awesome. For K Shines. This this is where my life starts to get fucking crazy. Okay. So I'm supposed to fight for Cage Titans. I'm seven and two. Uh, actually, no, I lied. I apologize. Uh, so what ends up happening is I go back home. I fight for Cage Titans after the pandemic. I fight for the 145 title. Darius is, uh, Darius Estelle pulls out. I fight this guy Nathan Williams. He misses weight by 11 pounds. All right, I fight him anyways because I sold so many tickets that I was just like, you know what, fuck it. I haven't fought in a year and a half. I'm fighting him anyways. Yeah, he missed weight by 11 pounds. I lost that fight. It was a five-round title fight. I won round one was a toss-up. I won two and three. He won four. They gave him five. And uh, at 11 it, pounds advantage, that's, that's no, no, quite a bit. Look, it is what it is. Like, I, I'm a man. Like, I stand by the decision. Yeah, you made the decision. Yeah. 100%. You made the decision to go into the fight. 100%. So, now I'm seven and three. All right, not great. You're not going to get on in the UFC off a loss. So, the next fight, I fight again. I fight this guy, Quinn Weiland from Oregon. I fuck him up is uh, TKO him in the second round. He pretty much quit in the stool, so it's considered a TKO. Yep. But like, yeah, I just I didn't take one punch the whole fight. It was just me smashing him. Yep. One forty-five. Yep. Uh, no, no, this was at one fifty-five. So I'm not even competing in my weight class. Okay. So then, right, I'm scheduled to fight Shane Manley for the one forty-five belt. So since Nate beat me, but he missed weight, he didn't win the belt. We fought for five rounds, so I could win the belt. Normal fights are scheduled for three rounds. We fought for five rounds so I could win the belt. Okay. He he won the fight. I lost, but it, it was one of those, it was super close fight too. I, I still arguably think I won, but that's just me. But um, the the belt was still vacant, so I fought for the vacant belt. Uh, so you were eight and four after that, after that fight? Nope. Eight and three. Eight and three after that yep. fight. Okay. Now now you're now you're gonna fight for the, the vacant belt. Now I'm gonna fight for the vacant belt. I get matched up against Shane Manley. Shane Manley pulls out. Okay. Mm -hmm. They make a whole nother fight card three weeks later because I sold so much for that event. I'm like, I'm not gonna do that. Like I'm gonna fight Shane three weeks later. You know, I think he had COVID in like a month out and he pulled out the fight. So they made a whole new event just so I could fight Shane for the belt. Like like this is the biggest you're gonna get in Plymouth. Like, I kind of like maxed out on on how big the cap is. There, yeah, yeah. Right? Uh huh. And even so, I was still like pushing the ceiling up. Yeah. Uh. So now, super random. I'm eight and three. I get a super short notice opportunity to fight on Dana White's looking for a fight. 
Okay, now okay. are you you're not are you in Salem or are you in the Midwest right now? Are in you... the Midwest. Okay, but you right. came back to fight Cage yeah. Titans in Salem. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, okay. Implement. 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 But, right. Uh, but the details are real. So, I'm scheduled to fight Shane, and they're like, "Hey, we got this fight. It's five days notice at 155 against someone that I used to train with, who is very good. The guy fights for Bellator now. He's very good, but it's five days. It's for Dana White's looking for a fight." Now, the events are a day apart. So, Cage Titans was on Saturday. This was on a Sunday. Okay. Well, I talked to the promoter for Cage Titans. He's like, look, I totally understand. This is a much bigger opportunity. You could get signed right to the UFC. I fought for Dana White's looking for a fight instead. So, so Shane pulled out the first fight. We're supposed to fight three weeks later. Now, I pull out to fight the next day. Like, like it, it was just one of those things where, like, it was a bigger opportunity, and the promoter was cool with him. For the most part, like you sign a contract, you you have to stick by that contract, even if you get called up to the UFC. Like you got to, like there's people that that get the call up to the UFC that can't go to the UFC because they're tied to a different contract for a different league. You know? Okay. So he was super cool. He's like, look, our whole goal is to get guys into the UFC. Like we want you to be the best you. So this was such a big opportunity. Dana White's looking for a fight. Five days, one fifty five. I fight this dude um, in front of Dana White and the Nelk boys. I smash him. I wasn't super happy with my performance. I didn't finish him. But uh, I won a unanimous decision, 30-27. So then, the next month, I get uh, scheduled to fight Shane Manley again. He pulls out. All right, he pulls out. I end up fighting up a weight class again. I fight this dude, Jay Ellis, who is a terrible record, but he shows up to fight everyone. Um, I fought him. I finish him in 50 seconds. And then the next month, um, so I spend like a week or two at, back home. I fly back out to Missouri. They're like, hey, uh, we have a fight at 155. The kid uh, just got called up to the UFC that was supposed to fight for the title. Do you want to fight for our title? So I fight for the FAC 155 title. I beat a UFC veteran, Cody Fister, in that fight. And I win the 155 title. And then... The next month, I go back to Cage Titans and I fight for the 145 title against uh, Bryce Picode, who's on like a four or five fight win streak right now for the 145. Uh, I fight him for the 145 title uh, back home at Cage Titans. So I had four fights in four months with, uh, I think, four or five fin- or three finishes. It was crazy. I was on a five fight win streak and then um, nothing happens. You say, yeah, you go on the Contender Series, you, you bang them out. Not the Contender Series. It's a little different. So the Contender Series, it's its own thing for the UFC. Yeah, but you did that, right? No, no, you didn't do it. You did, it was actually you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So so you fought in front of Dan. When we were fighting in front of Dana White, though. And- so Dana White has a YouTube series called Dana White's Looking for a Fight. So Yeah, I'm familiar. This is a little bit different from the Contender Series. So yes, the Contender Dana, series- Dana White's Looking for a Fight. Yeah. That's what Connor, Connor Matthews. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Connor Matthews fought on Dana White's Looking for, uh, excuse me, looking for a Fight. Yep. He also fought on the Contender Series. Yep. So this is where it gets a little bit confusing, right? The Contender Series is run by the UFC, but you're not in the UFC. It's like to get into the UFC, you need to finish. You need like to impress Dana and all. Yeah. Same sort of thing, but this is for YouTube. It's called Dana White's Looking for a Fight. Yep. We both fought on Dana White's Looking for a Fight. Where now Dana goes to all these other promotions, these these feeder leagues for the UFC, these more regional um places yep. and he travels the world looking for new talent yeah so that so, that's where you that's where yeah. you beat this guy yep you know beat up on him and didn't didn't knock him up but got the unanimous decision yep. so now i'm on a five fight win streak with uh four finishes and nothing happened right so 
you know what? I go to my coach, I go, hey, what do I do? He goes, keep racking them up. Like, all right, so I keep training. The next Monday, I'm in the gym. Nothing happens, nothing. I end up getting mad returned on my shoulder. I hurt my shoulder. I had a grade two strain on my AC joint. I don't know if you've ever hurt your shoulder, especially when throwing punches at you. Not not ideal. Yeah, right? not ideal. Just keep dropping your hand. Yeah. Okay. So you throw a straight jab, like like you want, thing. But even like just holding that up, like you don't want to recycle your punches because that's where you get hit. You want it right back to your face. So, exactly, exactly. Okay. So um, I hurt my shoulder. So had a couple options there. So what ends up happening is I keep trying to train with it. I'm making do. I finally save up 500 bucks. I get a PRP shot, which is uh, pretty much what they do is they remove your blood. They spin it super fast, and uh, I'm sure you're more educated. In I love that it. Than I yeah, you got it, though. Uh, they spin it super fast, and, and there's this, like, white plasma-y yep. stuff that gets removed from your... It's part of your blood. You have yeah. plasma in your blood, and it gets removed. Yep, yep. And then they re-inject it into where you're injured, and that's where all the healing... Uh, comes from so a lot of your injuries that that don't heal over time that require surgery um it's because there's no blood flow to that that area so what they did was they removed my blood they they did the prp they spun it they removed that plasma and they injected it into these uh spots on my shoulder now i was it that was super painful <laughs> like like not to be like a little bitch but like this long ass needle getting shoved in me whatever you know but um it was one of those things where it's like, all right, I really need to let this heal. So I go home, I take a month off. Mm-hmm. I go from the Midwest back home, take a full month off. And um, hanging out with my family, I'm getting chubby. Uh, it's really easy to gain weight in my house. My mom, my mom's a chef and there's nothing healthy, but it's all delicious. Yeah. So um, I'm getting a little fat. I'm not training because I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately resting. Yeah. So, all right, month goes by. I took my month off. My shoulder's starting to feel better. I get back to Missouri. I trained for the first day. I'm 185, right? That was on a Saturday. Monday, I'm 183. Tuesday afternoon after training, I'm playing Fortnite. And my coach calls me up. And, he, and, and me and my coach, we're not friends. So if he calls me, it's important. Me and my coach, Eric, me and him are boys. We talk every day. Coach that's coaching me right now, if he calls me, it's important, right? Um... He, he like he doesn't just call me. Like there's a reason why he's calling me. He's like, "Hey, um, can you make weight this week?" I'm like, "No." Back to the same same issue. So, wow, right? So it's the UFC, and uh, pretty much they're pissed off that I couldn't make weight uh, that weekend. They gave me two weeks. They go, "Hey, um, make 145. You have two weeks from 180 from 185." Yeah, they go, "You have two weeks to make 185." And, and it's on me. Granted, I I took that time off. Like I didn't know I was gonna get the call. Of course, right? Well, Things were going that way. Of course, but you can't. You know, you can't predict it, and you can't. Exactly. And it, it was kind of like an ultimatum too, where it's like you either get this fight or you'll never fight in the UFC. You're too old. You know, you're the guy to fill this slot right yeah. now. And if not, you you may never get this opportunity again. Right. You've already passed up a few a few years ago. That it wasn't my fault. It, it just is what it is. So it's like you know what? I'm gonna fucking do this. Boy, did that suck. Yeah. I cut 39 pounds in two weeks, and um, I didn't nearly die, but that weight cut was the most excruciating, painful thing that I've ever experienced um, prior to a fight. Yeah. That, that was god-awful. 
you don't have to get too too into it, but like what the you know what's a regular cut look like and a weight cut look like before a fight, and how much weight are you usually trying to lose, and then compare it to what you were doing for this two week period. Okay, so a normal cut as a pro athlete, um, a standard cut for me. And I'm, I'm able to cut weight a little bit better than a lot of people. I've been doing it my whole life uh, with wrestling and whatnot. I've done it wrong for most of my life. And then I hired a nutritionist, nutritionist Tyler Minton, and he kind of changed the game for me. He, he got me weighing on my food, doing all this. But uh, he kind of gave me the blueprint of what I should be eating every day to, to eat, but still be hungry, but give me enough to perform. Yeah, it's definitely a balance. Exactly. So, um... Generally speaking, about you try and diet down to as little as possible. If you're entering fight week within 15 to 20 pounds, you're in a good spot. Okay. But, but everything's in preparation, right? So 15 to 20 pounds out, that means water loaded. And for those of you that don't know, what water loaded means is I'm drinking a surplus amount of water. Now, what's someone normally drink of water a day? Probably not that much. Yeah, maybe maybe a half a gallon. Maybe at most. Every day for months out, I'm drinking a gallon to a gallon and a half. When you're water loaded, you're drinking two gallons. And is it like a week before? Uh, so generally speaking, like five, six days out, I drink two gallons of water every day. Okay. Uh, so what this does is your body fills up with water, right? So your, your cells are so filled with water mm-hmm. that like breaking your sweat's the easiest thing at first, right? So then... There's things in your body that hold on to water, mainly sugar and salt. Okay, so all carbohydrates are are complex sugar. So you think of your pasta, um, you think of everything like that you're taking in as carbohydrates. Yeah, any bread, any yeah, exactly. exactly. It's complex sugar. Mm-hmm. That's sugar. Yeah, right. That holds on to processed sugar. It's even worse, right? Essentially, yeah. And then there's salt that holds on to water too. Those are the two things in your body that hold on to water. Now. You want to load up on those. So you want your body to like fill up with as much water as possible because you're you're still dieting. So doing it right, you know, you're 15 pounds up, but you're water loaded. So meaning you're holding on to extra water weight because you've taken in extra salt and extra sugar. Right. So now. So are you eating just like a lot of pasta? Is that uh, not a lot, but you're just eating enough um, pasta that that's what your meal would look like. It's not protein. It's more salt than sugar. Yeah, that's what I was about to say, you know, because it's, it's more salt. Salt, you know, salt is really the big one. You're still having your carbohydrates because sugar is also energy. Yep. So there's a funny balance here. So you're still having some carbohydrates, but you're not having a surplus of them. It's not like you're a runner and you're carb loading. Right. Right. Um, We're water loading, completely different. So we're loading up on the salt, still having some sugar, but we're loading up on that water. So six days out, you have about two gallons of water. The next day, and, and what happens when you drink this much water, there's a hormone in your body that makes you pee. So when you pee, you're losing those electrolytes. So you're constantly refilling. So essentially what you're doing is you're flushing all the electrolytes out of your body. So when you go to make that cut, you have no electrolytes to hold onto that water. Your body flushes out that water because it thinks it's going to have that, that, those electrolytes to hold onto it. So essentially you're tricking your body into making a false weight and then gaining it right back, right? So that that yeah. So then you're so like you're crushing crushing two gallons of water a day, uh, leading up into it, and then you're uh, you know you're 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 painting a lot. You're getting ready for like this big this big sweat, this big 
you know, a time where you're going to do some work and, and how, how long was that? Like two days before? Uh, so usually the day before weigh-ins is where you start the cut, depending on how much, uh, how much weight you have to lose, you know, um, for my really bad cut, I did 18.4 pounds already depleted. So I was already depleted and I was still 18.4 pounds. Uh, that 18.4 pounds came from my fucking soul. That that you you were yeah. you already did your cut and you still were over 18 and 18.4 and you still needed to figure that, out that, that. Took my fucking soul. My last yeah. fight was super easy. I cut 11 pounds the day the day before weigh-ins. It took two tub sessions. It took about an hour and a half. Lost all that 11 pounds. Okay, so so how like what's the you say a tub session? What's this? So how does this yeah. work? So you're you're getting into it. There's a few ways to sweat. It doesn't matter how you sweat. Me personally, I like the tub. So pretty much what you do is you get a hot tub or a bathtub. You fill it up with water. You want that water at 104 uh, degrees Fahrenheit, and you just sit in there. And the second you start sweating, you set a timer for 40 minutes. And after my first session, I generally lose seven to eight pounds just sitting in the tub for 40. Like it'll take me one to two minutes depending on how hydrated I am. Sometimes five to 10, depending if I'm less hydrated. But let's say one to two minutes, I start sweating. The second you see a bead drop from your, like like you see your head start sweating. Um, You start the timer 40 minutes later, you hop out. They wrap you in towels so you don't stop sweating. So you're still sweating. You're just out of that, that environment. Your body heat is kind of igluing you in those towels. And um, you keep sweating. It's a little bit more relaxed. And after about an hour, it's about eight pounds. Okay. Got berries per person, right? Like like my science isn't going to be exact. Of course, right. Yeah. You got to figure it out. It's definitely a personal relationship you have to have with it. Exactly. And then on top of it, it, that varies for how much water you have in your body, right? Like you and I might have two different hydration levels. Like if I didn't water load, I might have only lost two or three pounds. Right. Where if you're water loaded you might lose six or seven, you know? So that all varies. It all depends on your preparation and how prepared are you. Like I said, my UFC debut, I sucked 18.4 pounds out of my soul. I'm lying on the sauna floor because I stopped sweating in the tub. Yep. If you stop sweating, like, you're not going to continue to sweat in the tub. So it got to the point where I was a pound out I wasn't sweating, meaning I sweat every... Yeah, uh, no, no like, water left. Like, there's no more water in my body. So... I'm lying on the sauna floor. This is the only place I could get sweat. And it's the only thing I could like sort of tolerate. I got my coach on there and I'm like, I'm dying. I'm dying. It, it was so difficult. So I got my coach in there. He's doing the sauna with me. He's like, I'm trying to like, I hope he's running out to grab water, run back in. Cause like, I'm just lying on the sauna floor. I have no energy. Are you not intaking any water at this point? Oh, hell no. Okay. So you don't drink for the... Yeah. When you're cutting, like, that's just to get the water out of you. Right. So no more water. This false weight, right? Yep. So, so, um, he's got a bag of ice and, and I'm just like, and he puts it on my knee, other knee, chest. And he's just like shuffling this bag of ice to cool down the spot because I'm overheating. I'm no longer sweating, but I right. need to make weight. Yeah. UFC debut. Yep. Um, and then it got down to it. Like I'm a pound out. I got an hour left. Um, I got like an hour and a half left to weigh in. So now it's like, not only do you have to lose this weight, like you're being pressed by time because weighing ends this as 11 o'clock. So it's like, you got to make weight by a certain time. Like, and if you miss, I, I'm truly convinced if I missed weight and lost my fight, I would have been cut from the UFC. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But we had about an hour and I go, I'm going to stay in 
the rest of the day. My coach goes, I'm going to give you 10 minutes. Like, can you do 10 more minutes? I'm like, I'm going to stay in the top of the hour, right? So I did a full fucking hour. In the sauna. In the sauna. Well, which for a normal person fucking sucks. Yeah, it's hard. Right? Like, really hard. In any water. Especially not doing it with water. Yeah, it's really I'm hard. Lying on the sauna floor at the UCPI. And like, I would take it, I'm um, facing up. I would take it as long as I could. And he's moving the ice around. And then when I couldn't take it anymore facing up, I'd roll over. And then he would just shuffle that ice around. And like, I have no energy. Like, it sucks the soul out of you. And then I couldn't take it anymore on my back. And I just pretty much was like a dead fish just flopping back and forth. That's uh, my welcome to the UFC. Right. Welcome, bro. And then yeah. he picks you up and carries you to the way in. No, even worse. So if I, like, I have doctors watching me because they knew I had a bad weight cut. So I have the doctors out there watching me. So he, he pulls me aside. Like, I'm sitting outside the sauna, right? I just made weight. He goes, look, you're going to have eyes on you. You need to fake it. <laughs> like straight up fucking fake it, right? Like my eyes are like sunken in. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like, like it looks like I'm methed out. And um, he goes, you need to look. They're looking to pull your fight right now. If you can't walk up there, walk on the scale and get off the scale and get to the back, as, it, like not as fast as you can. Like if you can't do that, they're, they're going to pull your fight. So I had to fucking get up without any energy. Um, Get up, wait, step on the scale, lift my arms up like I've been there before, face off, get to the back. I see water in the back. They go, no, don't don't touch that, right? They rush me to the back room. They hand me a, a little thing of water. And now I, I drink this this liter of water. Like, you need to wait 10 minutes. And more water, more water, right? Because I'm, I'm like, dying. yeah, bro. And um, literally dying. Not, I'm still here. No, I know that. I know, but your body was literally dying. That's what you're yeah. doing. You're killing yourself. Like, if you kept doing it, you would have died. At, at, at some point. Yeah, right. Yeah. There's a point of no return. Yes. But um, we definitely flirted with that line a little bit. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's... Flopping back and forth. Yeah, that's that, that That was the most excruciating cut. Like, 39 pounds in two weeks. Can't even imagine. That, that sucked. Yeah. I made weight like a fucking pro. And, um fought and i did not perform good i do not recommend ever cutting that amount of weight because you're gonna perform how you prepare and i like i said i dealt with the best of my circumstances the way i could so that's like that's 39 pounds in two weeks yes and then you, you made it though you did it and you're the the gentleman who you fought yeah. sadiq yusuf yeah uh, number 12 in the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Spoke to me. Yeah, like, I, did, I fought like, sh I, I didn't even. I know, man. And I, this is how, I know you want to say this because you have pride and you're, you know, you're a person and you went through this experience, dude. Like, but people like realize like, if you had had a, a fair cut, like, I don't know, maybe this guy, maybe he still would have won, maybe. But like, I, I want to see that fight. That's really what I want. I'll, I'll put it like this. If we ever run it back, it's going to be completely different. You know, I, I just, wasn't set up for success, and th and that's no fault in anyone but myself. I, I tried to make the most of an opportunity, and I wasn't set up for success. And, and everything is, and like, how you do anything is how you do everything, right? Yeah, and I don't know if this is about you know you're you're saying it's set up for success. Like I'm seeing you on a successful path, so sure you weren't successful in that fight, but by taking that opportunity, uh, you know you created other opportunities for yourself, and that's kind of where we're at now. Yep. Um. So now, what's the record? All right, so now I'm 12 and 4. 12 and 4. Yeah. And so 
we want to now like you're you know obviously you're you're stressed you're frustrated with it you know you lost and now this was when was this fight this was that was october 1st october 1st last year last year exactly 2022 2022 um a little interesting thing about this that i didn't realize so a lot of people probably heard this in the news when it was happening um Mark Zuckerberg uh, had oh, yeah. had uh, decided that he wanted to. He, 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 I guess this dude got into Brazilian jiu-jitsu and he likes jiu-jitsu and that's that's great. You know, good for him. Um, but he rented, he bought every ticket to the to the a UFC event. Yep. Um, and this happened to be the event that you fought. You said yeah, that right. It, it was super unfortunate because my dad wanted to come to the event and he bought a ticket to Vegas. He flew out to Vegas. Uh, for this fight to like try and scalp a ticket to do whatever he could. He's yeah. Like, I just want to see my son fight. Right. And uh, my dad couldn't get in uh, to this event. And you know what? It, it's not the biggest of deals because, you know, he didn't miss much. Yeah. But I was able to give him a pretty cool experience my last fight. Yeah, no, I, I, that's what I'm, I, I can't wait to get into that. And that, that's the giddy up. Um, so it was just, but it was just weird with that. Was that odd? You know, cause you're used to fighting in, you know, the stadiums that you filled up with people and then it's just Zuckerberg there. Was that just a different, like a different atmosphere? The energy's different. So, yeah. so it's like, maybe that had something to do with it as well. I'm not going to make excuses. It is what it is. Yeah. And like, I live and die by the decisions I make. I'm not going to say like, oh, this is why. No, no. No, I'm just, I, and that's the thing is, it's not an excuse. I'm just, you know, it's curious. Like that's, uh, you know, I, I feed off other people's energy and I do. Too. Yeah. So it's, that you know, there, there's probably something there. Yeah. Uh, there could be. Uh, I'm not going to like it. Like, you're not saying it. I'm saying it. Exactly. All right. So you're good, brother. Uh, it could have been a factor, but I feed off, like, we're talking about it earlier. Like I feed off that energy. Like that that energy doesn't motivate me, but like it's addicting, right? And um, when there's no one there, like it's like we shut the cameras off and you're not getting into a fight. Right. It's a little bit different. Not like yeah, you're not hearing cheering in the background. Like the the momentum swings of the fight. Like yeah, just off. Right. Just off. It's like the NBA sports and like all the bubble sports that they tried to do, you know, there was definitely an effect that 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 was had and that in, in fighting, I can't even there's so much. It's so visceral. It's such an emotional thing um, for the people involved, at least, you know, obviously the people who are fighting as well, but the people who are spectating. So like it's such an emotional investment and there's so much energy. Oh, fighting is the most intimate thing you could do. Uh, like, like intimate is in like, I know exactly who you are as a person down to like. To let, yeah. I'm going to just say this. Like, I know more about some of the people that I fought than some of the people I've slept with. Right? Like, like, that's how intimate fighting is. Like, yeah. I know who you are as a person. Like, if we go to war with each other, I know who you are as a person. And the, and the, there's, like, a, a respect thing to that. You know, like, like not, not to sound disgusting, but, like, I, I've had some pretty shallow uh, encounters <laughs> in, in my bartending career. Of course. And, um... I'm human. It is what it is. Yeah, bro. We've all but, been through it. But uh, it, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know, whatever. But like, if you and I get into a fight, I know who you are. Yeah. Like, like deep down, I know if you're a good or bad person. Yeah. That, like, like, like who someone is at the soul level. Yeah, bro. There's, there's definitely something to that. And, you know, just from, I'm not a professional fighter. I don't have any experience like this at all. But I, I've, I've, you know, we used to fuck around with our friends a lot, yeah. you know, for whatever reason. You know, we, I, where we, where Don and I come from, our friends, we always just used to fuck it. We with had each all other. the same friends. So. Yeah, literally. Yeah, we did have all the same friends, and we would all just fight each other all the time. And 
it, it was for whatever reason, but I think it was it was always in like the healthiest place because we were always able to see each other better afterwards. And we were always able to see like, oh, we can understand each other better. And whether some of it was toxic and destructive, sure. But a lot of it was like, you know, person building and, and development. And I, I wouldn't change it. Well, well, that's the thing. Like there, there's a respect afterwards, right? Like, like if you put yourself out there and I put myself out there and then once it's over, it's over. Like there's a winner and there's a loser and that's that. Right. It doesn't matter if you're getting DDT'd under the pavement at, at TBL by Nick Barrows. You know, you're, you're, you're still you're still you still have a respect afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that that whole fight that him and I had at, at, at that event, you know, for the listeners, me and my buddy, we, we had this fight and he DDT'd me into the cement and it was it was incredible. Um, bleeding? Oh, I was bleeding. I, I from like remember that. Yeah, dude, my head just started gushing blood everywhere. And um, Nick and I, after that, um, we actually tried to uh, create a. Uh, like a, a platform and a, and a program that helped people deal with uh, Nick. Uh, Nick's an African American, and I'm, I'm I'm obviously white, and so we tried to create a program within our own school that didn't allow for any toxic, um, you know, toxic racial any you know anything for him and I. Just because that friendship that we formed from you know from that fight from that day, he was wearing suits every day to school for like a period of time. Yes, like, I remember he had the suit every day to school. He was the only kid ever in school, like as a senior, wear a suit every day. Yes, dude, I, I love that. He was he was really trying to make something happen, and there was a movement behind it, and that's like it was really really cool. And he, you know, we showed up for it, and like that it developed from that relationship developed from that fight, which you know then grew because of football and all this stuff, and. You know, it's just it's it, it can happen if it's if you know there the intimacy of it is a is a real thing. I, I wish fighting was more accepted. Yeah, and I, well, I think I think we're getting there, right? I think it's it is getting maybe not. It's still it's still it's still on the fringe for sure. But it, it, not publicly, no. Yeah, like, like maybe it's just I, the circle that I'm in that people are getting more okay with it. You know, as a sport, I think it, it's growing huge. I think there's a lot more people like leaving their comfort zone and training in in training in an art, but like. I think socially, like I think there's still too many people that live in their their own bubble that that never face adversity, that work in an office, that are constantly miserable, that are working that nine to five, that are trapped in the rat race, that that, that just are so unhappy. And if if they were able to find something else that that fucking fed their soul a little bit, rather than fucking just make someone else rich for money, which is really just bullshit. Uh, uh, you're gonna get me going on. I love it. Fucking tan- there's a reason why Zuckerberg wants to get choked out. You know, he's a person who's in the, you know, he's in the, in the office and the richest, one of the richest people in the world. And he's literally taking his time to the point where he rents out a UFC thing because he's so, you know, he wants to learn about this and wants to have this experience because he loves it so much. You know, like that's, it, it that's how it shows, you know, there's a way through. I'm sure there's opportunities to make money with the UFC and, and Facebook and whatnot, but like, or Instagram or, or whatever. But, uh, dude, the guy's out there competing. He's leaving his comfort zone. And, and, and this is one of the richest people in the world and, in He's not at the highest of levels yet, but he's still, he got the ball rolling. And and, and that's what's important. He's like, in, in that initial, like, you know, the first day at the gym is the hardest, right? And, and it's not so much being there. It's the going there. Like, like Yeah, it's getting there. Once you're there, you're happy. Like, I got most of my friends into jujitsu. So, um, I'm not, I'm not going to take the credit for all this, but like, my buddy Pete, Pete Tapple, he's training in jiu-jitsu. James, James Harley, he's training in jiu-jitsu. Took me a lot of fucking convincing of DeRosa, and, like, he was telling me how his kid's going to be doing jiu-jitsu. I'm like, dude, you should start doing jiu-jitsu because one day your kid's going to be better than you. Like, but don't you want to be better than him to show him and teach him shit? 
Like, it took me a lot of, a lot of, he just had a newborn. Yeah. Uh, Lucas. And, um, he, he's telling me like, oh, my, my kids can be world team. I'm like, dude, he absolutely can, but you should, you should get into it before he does. So you could like be that. The ripples. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I got, I got like, it took me a lot of convincing and, and like, I felt like I was pulling teeth, but I'm like, like, it took me a lot of little finesse work to get him in the gym. But like, dude, seeing him at the gym and rolling, like he's not, not even in shape yet, but he's like watching videos afterwards and we're talking about him. Like, dude, he went to the gym and I called him up. I'm like, dude, I'm so fucking proud of you. Let's go. Man. That's, uh, I got two of the, two out of the three guys going to the same gym that I'm, when I'm in Massachusetts, I go to. Yep. So it's like, dude, I got three. Three out of my four best friends at the same fucking gym at the same time, and if we can all get there on a Wednesday, like this is for an hour. That's awesome. How rare is that? Like, yeah, we, we call it the giddy up. That's the giddy up. That's the giddy up, baby. Seriously, bro, for real. And you're blazing this path, and that's like that's so cool. Um, and like too, you're 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 doing it in a positive way too, because like you know, you get your out, you know, you you know, this these are your words, you know, you get your ass handed to you, you know, by by you know by Yusuf, and then you know. Be, Rightfully so, we get why. But then you say instead of most people would say, "Hey, that's my shot in the UFC. Fuck, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm cooked here. I'm cooked." No, dude, you get right back to training and you get right back after it, and and another opportunity comes up. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like, tell me how that you know you're creating these ripples, and you know for all these people, like you said, and you just think it's you. You just think I'm done. No one's ever thinking about me, right? No one's ever thinking about us. We talked about this in the beginning of the show, but you have these impacts where you you know where you had this impact on Krista Rosa and you had this impact on James Hurley you had this impact on Pete Taffel where they're this is a huge part of their life now and you get to be at the point where you're saying I'm not done no fuck no fuck no I got fights to win and uh I I got a lot of people to inspire so it's yeah like, like I'm not taking the credit for like inspiring them but I'm like hey dude come on come on come on come on well that's like, it you, you don't take the credit for inspire them but you you put it you created the space uh, in the container for them to take that opportunity and for them to grow, uh, and that that's like that's absolutely incredible. Well, for for me, it's it's like selfishly, like I'm doing my favorite thing ever with my best friends. How awesome is that? Yeah, it's amazing. And, and it's not like a fine like it costs a little bit of money, but it, but it's not like a financial burden or it's not a destructive burden. It's like, all right, if I go out drinking with my friends, that's going to cost me money. And it's gonna steal my happiness from tomorrow, yeah, right? Like, yeah, bro. Like, like time, and, and and it's like I'm not stealing any happiness from tomorrow. I I'm getting becoming a better person every time I leave the gym. Yep, I go to the gym, and, and I'm not talking like the conventional gym. Yes, the, there's time for the conventional gym to get in shape, to to do all these things. I'm talking about like training gym. So, um, like I get to the gym, I leave. I've 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 I focused on something. I tried something. I, I've I'm I'm trying to grow and, and evolve and and to blossom into to something other than than my skill set prior, you know. Yeah. And it's like if I could say one thing, like oh, try like this, or or like even the difference from hand grips, like you you don't think about like your hand grips, like this is a hand grip, you break your fingers, you don't want to do this. This is a gable gable grip, S grip, you know. And and like there's so many different transitions from. You know, the nuances must just be incredible. And like, you're just getting to see that and getting to see other people use it. And that's, that's cool. Well, I, I've, I've just been doing it longer, you know, well, yeah. and, and like seeing them at the beginning, it's like, oh, I remember that, you know, ah, oh, it's cool, dude. You know? So you're, you're, you're really just like going through the, the whole thing with them. And like, you know, maybe like you said, you want to be an inspirational speaker. You know, I think that that's great. I think that, 
um, you know, creating a, a space that's a, that's your own. Maybe that's what it is. It's Don's gym where people can come and train, and you can do this with tons of people, your friends, and a ton of people who you're bringing into it, as well as speaking and creating, um, you know, hope for people that they can uh, live a life a little bit differently. Well, inspirational speaking is later. Right now is focusing on doing the shit that that people want to be interested in and developing that following to. To then they'll be inspired like, by. Of course. Yeah. Right Right now is the fucking doing phase. Yeah, bro. Because right now, it's been right now my whole fucking life. I think I said this to you the other day, and I'm so about this. Like, my whole life, it's just been right now. The whole time. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's been right now the whole fucking time. And, like, once I started realizing that, it's like, shit, when I was four, I was fucking four. Right now, I'm 32, and I'm, I'm, I'm fucking right here present with you. Headset, headgear on. Yeah, it's yeah. special. It's special because not yeah. many people are able to do that, and that's a great quality and skill to have. And you you got to keep cultivating that. Yeah. Um. So I just I, I want to talk about Perth, though. I want to talk. Yeah, I want to talk about Perth and your you know your old man being able to come to to the fight with you, and you know he actually got the corner for you. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about this. So then you you lose you know you lose the fight, and then mm-hmm. you you move on, and now we're at uh, you know you're gonna you, you get called again. Yep. Yep. So again, not ideal circumstances. Uh. I moved cross country mid fight camp. I had about six weeks out. I moved cross country from the Midwest back home, and I kind of just like shuffled my shit back to my house and like dropped things off. Try to get as much training as I could back home with my old training partners and my my head coach. And uh, Gross, Grossman. Yep. Uh, trained. Went out to Perth. That was a little different, right? That's in Australia, so that's like a longer flight. Um, oh well, well the challenges are a little bit different. So uh, I wanted to leave a little bit early, and um. I wanted to leave a little bit early to get accustomed to time zone because I didn't know what time I was going to be fighting. I heard so many different times uh, of where I'm, I got a really good matchup. The dude I fought, Jack Jenkins, awesome guy, really good stand up, huge leg kicks. He's like the he's like the local guy down there, right? They love him down in yeah. down in Australia, right? Dude, <laughs> they fucking love this cat. You know, he had the mustache, he had the mullet, he had the whole fucking. Australian thing, yeah, like almost porn star vibes out here. Yeah, right. The guy was the fucking man talking to him. You know, he was a really mm-hmm. cool dude. And um, I was going out there to take him out. You know, and uh, so we left a little bit early. I wanted to leave around the first because uh, they wanted me to fly out the seventh and leave the twelfth at night. I'm like, no, if I'm going to Australia, look, there's thirty something hours of flying. Like, I'm trying to set myself up for success. So me and my coach, we uh, we flew out the first, got there the third. Stayed in a hotel right outside the the Rack Arena, and uh, that was pretty dope. We just woke up at 2 a.m. every day Australian time, which was about 7 p.m. our time, or it was like 7 a. I don't I don't remember, but like we were waking up at 2 a.m. and honestly, like staying on your schedule. Yeah, and, and and to think about what Kobe Bryant like, I've seen so many things about Kobe Bryant, right? And, and obviously he's passed, but well, like he he used to wake up at 2 a.m., work out at three, three to four, work out, cool. That's exactly what we're doing, right? Then we go grab coffee, and guess what? It's like nine, ten o'clock. You know what I do? I go to the gym, go do an hour of cardio. Cool. Work out again. Grab some food, right? Then we work out again from like two to two to three. Get another hour of cardio or a mid session or whatever. Dude, I'm working out three times, but I'm waking up at two a.m. I'm like. Kobe Bryant was just living in a different time zone. He wasn't doing anything crazy. Uh-huh. He was just in a different time zone. He found the cheat code. He stayed on a different time zone and was waking up at 2 a.m., working out till 4, eating at 5, going back to the gym at 7 after showering, chilling, whatever, right? Resting a little bit. And, and he made so much more of his day rather than staying on our fucking bullshit time zone where 
where you're waking up, like, like think about if you work in Boston, if you live outside the city, right? You wake up, you got a, a 20 minute drive to Boston, no traffic. Early morning, how long is that taking you? Uh, uh, a 15, 20 minute ride is taking you an hour and a half. Yeah, literally wasted. an hour and a half. Wasted, yep. right? If you're leaving during rush hour, there's another fucking hour and a half. All right, cool. So you, you dedicate eight hours to sleep. There's 24 hours in a day. Minus eight, you're at 16 fucking hours. Now you just spend another fucking three hours driving. You're at 13 hours left. You worked for eight. Like, how much free time do you really have? Now, dude, he was just on a different time zone. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's like, you know, you, you could make it, like you got to be super disciplined to do it because you're going against the traffic of everything else in the world. So you have to be super focused and disciplined in, in what you are and what who you want to be. Like, cause guess what? Like, you know, even though it's game four and they're going to fucking lose, but like the Celtics are on tonight, you know? So like, that makes me, even though I don't even like really care about that type of sports anymore, you know, whatever, I'm still going to get to the point where I watch them and I, uh, you know, I get edited. I remember, I probably, tonight, who knows, maybe I not watch them, but I, that makes me stay up later. Opposed to being super fucking disciplined and being like seven o'clock is my bedtime because I wake up at 3 a.m. 3 a.m. every day. Yeah. And being that disciplined, that's, I think that's where the, like the real giddy up is. Well, well, th- that's the thing. Like th- there's going to be sacrifice and there's going to be dedication and you are able to master those two things, you could be the best ever at whatever you choose to be. Yeah. Like there's no limit on how good you could be. There's only you versus you. And and that's the other beautiful thing about fighting. It's not me versus you. It's me versus me. Because when I'm competing, it's, did I run that extra lap? Am I in the best shape I could possibly be in? Did I diet right? Did it, how was my weight cut? Uh, Like these are all thoughts in the back of your head. And, and, and that voice creeps in, especially when your time's like, yo, you, you could stop right now. Like, no one's going to pity you. Like, but then again, who are you as a person? I'm not a fucking quitter. Right. Like, I'm constantly battling with myself. Yeah. And, and uh, we spoke about it the other day, and I'm going to bring it up right now. And, and this is where not all the time, once every few months, like, mushrooms have been so beneficial to my personal growth because I, I, I when we spoke on the phone, uh, I was telling you, like, m- my belief is we have two people living inside of us, right? And one person's your conscious and one person's your subconscious. And your conscious is present right now in the moment. That's That's me talking to you, right? Your subconscious is who you are as a person, your values in, in what, like, your goal, everything. Right, your conscious is is so loud; it's constantly drowning out your subconscious, and it's really easy for your subconscious to take a back seat and kind of like keep doing what you're doing. But when when you find your yourself feeding your soul, that that's your subconscious, and like you're feeding your subconscious, and and that's what makes you evolve and becomes a better person, right? Ultimately, if you're a good person, like that, that's what makes you be an even better person, like. There's no limit of how good a person you could be. Just like there's no limit how bad a person you could be. It's just if you're willing to stop listening to the fucking voice that's that's coming out right now and listen to what you truly want and value it and and like deep 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 down, you know that that's that's something that that's really helped me. Yeah, and the the psilocybin has helped yeah. you access that. Is what you're saying? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I think that's what it is. It's we live in such a busy society. Um, and you say, you know, going internally and going deeper and really figuring out who you are and what it is that you want. Um, you know, you're not your first thought. We have all these thoughts that come into our head all the time and all, you know, being present, what you call the conscious. And 
that is a, a place that it's to keep us alive. It's to keep us safe. It's so we get up. It's it's good thing, but it needs to be reeled in sometimes mm-hmm. and, uh, and and shut off so that you can go deeper and the mushrooms and the psilocybin. That that's exactly what what it allows for. Um, you know, it is you know a super super safe drug. Um, you know that that as long as it's done in the right you know within the right space in the right setting and. Uh, you know, it's being sourced appropriately, then it's, it's, you know, it's safer than all these other pharmaceuticals that are out there. Um, but the, the personal experience that you can have from it, the growth is like, it's, it's unparalleled. Um, you I know. think it gets a bad stigma because it's classified as a drug, like all oh, drugs are bad. And it's like, I, I've learned more about myself during a, a trip than, than shit. Like there, there were some points of time where I didn't know who I was. Yeah, you know, in my life because I wasn't feeding my soul. You know, it's like it's good to recenter, revalue, refocus. Now, I'm not saying like fucking every fucking day. Like, no, that's definitely not the answer. No, but but having these sessions and having having a it's really for me. And uh, you know, I talk about this with a lot of other medical professionals. And you know, as this is becoming a a, a treatment that's going to become available to people, it's really about um, having a personal relationship with the molecule, with the, you know, with whatever we want to call it, the substance. I don't like calling it a drug either because it's a negative connotation. Um, but having a, a personal relationship with the mushrooms that you know that when I'm feeling this certain way, I, I, I feel unclear or whatever, I need to have a ceremony, a session, um, and I need to treat myself with this so I can, I can see what I actually need to have real perspective on and what I should be doing, you know, to move forward. Because it, it's the same thing for me, man. Every time I clear my head with this, it says, okay, this is what my path, this is what I should be doing. And then the real key, and this is why you probably love it, is because you wake up on Monday the next day and you do it. You yeah. go to the gym and you implement those things, and that's called integration. And that's the biggest, biggest portion of the of you know of, tri- of the mushrooms and of the trip and of, of everything uh, having to do with psilocybin. It, on, honestly, like some of my biggest life decisions and, and changes in my life have been based off this. I remember a couple of years ago, I I was drunk, I went to a festival, and like somehow I had mushrooms, and I'm like. I was always like kind of scared to do it, and and this is not the first time I, I've 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 experienced a, a psychedelic experience, but uh, this is probably like the first time I just did it by myself, and I was like kind of drunk and like, and I remember staying up all night, and I just sat up with my buddy who who he, he actually passed away. It was just me tripping. He just like hung out with me. A really good guy, young kid too. He died in a car accident. Dang, super unfortunate, but uh. Uh, Jake, Jake, and uh, rest in peace, bud. He he like died randomly after one night of working uh, onto a car accident. So terrible. But I remember just hanging out with him, and like we're just hanging out, and we like climbed on the roof and just like watched the sunrise at like five six in the morning. And I'm like, all right. And then he he like left, went home. I called my dad. I'm like, hey dad, it's like eight in the morning. He's like, why are you calling this early? Like, aren't you sleeping? Like, ah, oh, I just love you. Like. What you been doing last night? You know, it's like he, he's like, you're an idiot. Well, whatever. But uh, but I remember like coming down and I'm like, all right, time time to get serious right now. Like, like time to start eating right. Time time to because you're having all these feelings, these yeah. good feelings, and thinking about this, your perception was changing while you were, you know, while you were having your you know your experience, and then after it, you 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 got to integrate that and say, this is the move. This is why I, I call my dad. I love my dad, so why wouldn't I call him and tell yeah. him that I love him? It, and it was so random. My dad's like, "Fuck's wrong." Yeah, of course. But it was like in the morning. It was like, "Hey, man, I didn't just miss you. Just you know." But Hell yeah, it, it was one of those things. It's like, all right, I need to go. I need to start. Dude, like really buckling down and 
doing this like i'm gonna be fighting soon like like time to to start taking shit seriously like because you can kind of fuck off but you can't you know and, and it just really helped me refocus recenter rebalance and 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 set goals achievable goals to press forward well, yeah man i think that, that that's really what it is and then you you learn from that like oh i don't need to be scared of this i yeah. need to develop a personal relationship with it so that when i do need this tool in my toolbox it's it's available for me when I feel like my soul's been starving a little bit, I'm maybe not depressed, but like maybe not as happy as I could be, like, is it worth, you know, pursuing or, you know? Yeah, 100%, man. Filling up the soul. I think that's really what we're, you know, what we're talking about here and getting access to that and that, you know, being who you are. And um, I think that's exactly like what we've talked about today is, you know, being who you are, you know, and, so you you end you know the the Jenkins fight went the distance. Yeah, dude, that fight was fucking crazy. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was the it was the fight of the night. Um, you know, until the yeah. title card, uh, which was also an incredible fight. You know, and I I don't watch every UFC event. You know, I don't, but I, I did. You know, I definitely watched this one. So so let me tell you about that fight, right? So fly out to Australia, made weight, no problem, easy easy weight cut. I'm like laughing and smiling under my weight cut. Uh, make weight, no problem, and. Aussies are fucking nuts. So we're fighting at 8 in the morning, right? So, dude, we get to the venue. There's a line of fucking people outside, right? Like waiting to get in. And uh, we get to the venue. And, uh, you know, things are what's going on in the back. Like the things that people don't see, the public doesn't see. All pretty standard stuff. Uh, but we get out. It's 8 in the morning. The arena is filled. The venue holds 15,000 people. Every seat's fucking taken. And the place is going crazy. Everyone fucking hates me. It's fucking awesome. And, and like, I'm there to take out their guy. Yeah, you're right. Across the world, I'm the bad guy here. Yeah. Well, whatever, I don't fucking care. Like, I'll be that guy. Yeah. I'll be that guy. I'll be that guy, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, dude, we, we got into a dog fight. And, uh... I lost. It was a very close fight. He he bested me on a couple of leg kicks that that compromised me. And it, again, it is what it is. I could have done a few things differently. It, in hindsight, like I would have done a few things differently. There's some things that didn't go my way, but again, I put myself out there, and I I don't have anything to hang my head on. And um, but the overall experience was awesome. I flew to the complete opposite side of the world to take out their guy, who everyone loved. Uh, I made a ton of, I met a ton of people, but like even just experience Australia, like I've never been there before. Uh, getting off the plane, the air was better. Uh-huh. The food was better. The weather was better. The beaches are beautiful. The The accents are awesome. Like, like, like <laughs> I feel like everything out there is cheaper because to the American dollar, like the Australian dollar is less. Yeah. But everyone made more money. Everyone just seems so happy and awesome. Like. Like overall, it was a great fucking experience. I ended up spending a month out there, and uh, uh, cool. And really, like, my leg was pretty fucked up afterwards after the fight. My my leg swelled up, but um, it it, it was an overall great experience. And like, fuck yeah, like through through taking this short notice fight, like I just experienced a whole different part of the world. And it's like, I can't wait to do it again. You know, I'm going out to Vegas to train for a couple of weeks, and then I'll maybe California, maybe. Who knows? Who knows where I'm going to end up? You know, right now I'm in the process of uh, finding a new gym because I need more training partners at, at a higher level, and uh, we're we're going to figure that out. 
Yeah. It might just be Vegas. Fuck it, you know. Yeah, right. Just kind of, you know, you're not uh, planning it too in advance. So, you know, you've already see, this has been your whole your whole bit. You know, we got to take it day by day. Uh, you know, seize seize the day, seize the opportunity that's that's in front of you. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. That's it, man. I, I I can't wait to just follow along with your journey. Um, you know, today has like just been absolutely incredible. Uh, you know, talking with you, you know, about everything about all your your entire journey. Uh, you know, through these fights to a twelve and five, you know, professional record. Uh, you know, and to just get into the nuances of that of those, and to to really, for me, I feel like I've um, you know, I keep learning more and more about fighting, and I had a, a you know. A, a, a weird relationship with it and now it's like my I'm just having this completely positive relationship with it that that I know that it's it's a good thing and I'm going to be able to help other people have that mm-hmm. positive relationship with it um, because it, it can be a good thing within our society to get this aggression out and I think that like there's no better person who you know to teach us this than somebody who's as passionate and as uh, motivated and um, you know on the so like grit filled like I just you know you, you, I just know you're not going to quit man I know you're not going to quit like because I just know you I know your stock and I've I've seen it you know since we were going against each other you know you know in practice in, in football practice I, like, I think we played pop corner together yeah bro like like dude I remember it's so funny because obviously like we, we went to middle school and high school together but like dude I remember you were captain and I and like before you were captain I remember you got appointed captain uh, it was like you, Ricky Cox, and uh, Timmy Luco. Timmy, dude, what a good kid! What a good kid! Holy shit! Yep. I don't know if he ever said a word, but it's such a good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. He was he was the lead by example type, you yeah. know, Timmy. He was. And uh, I remember the the year before that, it was like Chambo. Uh, was it Govi that year? Chamberlain, Derek. Austin, yeah, and 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 maybe He's, Derek. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember like when they got appointed captain, I'm like, yo, I want to be a fucking captain. And like, I was never the most athletic kid. But like, I saw I saw those guys get it. Then I saw you and Ricky and and Luco, and, and I'm like, I fucking do that too, and I fucking did. So like, there's no excuse not to do anything. So I I like looked up to you as as one of the older guys. Like like, dude, I remember this fucking. I don't remember. Like, I just remember that specifically, like, you jumping up and down and doing that. I'm like, oh, my God. Bro, well, the giddy-up has still existed. The giddy-up has always been in me, um, and I've been saying it, you know, forever. And it's like, but it's had different manifestations, and that's exactly, that's how it was. Hey, let's fucking go. Let's get this going. Let, you know, let's bring this energy up. And it's like, it's amazing for me to, like, to, to hear that um, because that's like, we all have these impacts on each mm-hmm. other, right? We're all impacting each other all the time, and we don't even know it. So like, just be the best version of yourself. That's all I was doing back then. I was, and that's all you're doing now. That's all I'm doing right now. Is I'm just trying to be the best version of myself authentically. Mm-hmm. And that is, I have this energy about myself to giddy up and to lead people. And I, I wasn't the best athlete. I wasn't the the most talented, you know, person on the team. But I, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to lead people, and I knew that I wanted to work hard. And like, it's just so amazing to, you know, and I, I've always known that we've been from the same stock. And I'm so glad that that life has, uh, you know, brought us back together. And that we're both on this path, and I can't wait to continue to follow you, dude. Because I know, like, I'm you're gonna be a, a you know you're gonna be in the UFC. You're gonna be a UFC champion. Like, I I know this fucking shit, man. And it's just it all comes from that. And um, you know, I just I'm I'm so grateful to have you on today, it, dude. I, I'm fucking super happy to be here, dude. I fucking was so excited to give you a hug before the thing, this went on, man. This was awesome. Yeah, bro, that was like one of the best hugs too. And you. um, you know, one thing I'll say about the hug, and it's something I've been bringing back into the, the into the world that that was brought to me from one of my last shows, is immediately when Don and I saw each other. Of course, we know it was, it was an immediate hug. Now, most people when they go to hug, 
they take their right shoulder and they put it to the other person's right shoulder. And then that's how they hug. And that's not the way to hug people. It should be from your heart, which we've talked about all day, which a lot about this episode is about just being authentically yourself and opening up your heart. And you go heart to heart when you hug, left shoulder to left shoulder. I and didn't, I didn't even know or realize that. And that's the thing is next time you will realize that. Next time you go to hug somebody, they're going to try to give you the right shoulder and you're going to say, nah, nah. <laughs> but me and you, it was it was just so incredible that we just immediately, it was just a left shoulder hug. It was an organic hug. It was an organic lefty, yeah. an organic left shoulder hug. Um, I just, you're, you're an incredible dude, man. This has been an, an awesome show. You know, this has been, I think, the longest podcast that I've done. No shit. Uh, you know, because we, yeah, and that that's a giddy up. Um, how can the people find you? How can they follow you? How can they follow your journey? Make it super simple. Shameless Dawn, all social media platforms, mainly Instagrams where I post the most. Super easy. Shameless Dawn. That's Shameless Dawn, baby. Everything from Snapchat, Facebook to whatever social media outlet comes out next because there's going to be another one. That- yeah, right. The next TikTok, whatever. So, yeah, it's just on. Shameless on. All right, man. Well, thank you so much, Ivo. Yeah, bro. Thank, no, thank you, man. We're, uh, I can't wait to, for people to hear this episode. I can't wait to keep following along on your journey. And I, uh, you know, I, I love you, man. Oh, I love you, man. Shit. Giddy up, baby. Shit. <laughs>